long time I best out here, and none of you ladies we do have come up with a sound solution. Janina will do that better. I don't like anything you did right there, Reels. Nothing. I'm just <laughs> telling you right now. I'm starting off. So not cutting that out. <laughs> okay, fine. I'm just simply saying, you know what? I'm going to speak to HR about getting two new co-hosts. Okay? This is all kind of wrong. Fair enough. Fair enough. Good day, good evening, good night, good afternoon, and good morning. And welcome to another exciting episode of the Reels Tennis podcast. This is um, episode number 201, and before I go any further, ladies, let me just say Wakanda Forever is coming out next month, so Janina, get your kids, get your husband, I don't know what you do, because I know Andrine and I have already cleared our whole month <laughs> for that event. Oh, is this I know you got those... a job, Janina. Yeah, it's it one of those. Go multiple times. It's going to be one of those right. checking, your, checking your black card at the door. No, um, exactly. I bought my ticket already. Are you I'm serious? Going, yes, I've already bought my ticket. Love. Wow. Okay, <laughs> let me get on this. We don't even, once you got one curly hair, we are bringing you in the black family, okay? You just got one curly <laughs> like, All the octoroons, everybody is in there. I don't think okay? it's that serious here, though. I don't think I'll have a hard time getting a ticket. I think you will, uh, some interesting mm-hmm. elements to it, but maybe you're right. You know your town better than I do. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, like, it requires Stop a whole it. passport to get out. So <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> things are different on that end. Can no but, No. Mm, Fair enough. Not vaccinated. <laughs> not, in, not in the continental, <laughs> not America. But the reason why I mentioned that before I do is that, you know, that is going to be one of our special podcasts. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to come back around, too, because we did have an amazing one last time around. So All right. be prepared. prepared to keep your yeah. afternoons or whenever. Y'all are always making me a... go to the movies. You have a teenage son. I don't understand how you are not at the movies every week. We're at sporting events. <laughs> mm-hmm. I told you drop him off at swimming, but you keep deciding you want to do like. Difficult sports like soccer and like hockey, like girl, that's too much. Move but on. anyway, <laughs> just putting that out there, fans, so that you know that there will be an extra special episode next month. You know when there's really no tennis to even be whether we care or to be bothered about uh, <laughs> happening. <laughs> we always keep you entertained, and I assure you, we will not skip that episode. Okay, we won't be delaying in that taping. But the trailer does look really hot and exciting. So I am looking forward to that. And I, I generally don't look forward to it. I stopped huh? looking at it. You know how, like, the first one was good. I don't want to keep watch, looking at it and then find out that, um, um, I don't want to look at it and find out that all the footage, I just want to be surprised now. Well, you know, from the, if you if you go by the last one, a lot of what was used in the trailer didn't end up in the movie. At least the, one, the, the movie that I saw. <laughs> so That's helpful. So that's helpful. <laughs> They just they just getting the vibe and the feeling going. Um just oh, that's to, you true. know build that anticipation and you know, I mean like I mean it's the kind of movie you have to go see with, you know, like with your with you know black audiences and yeah. to get the dialogue on script you have to go in the other neighborhood to, to really get <laughs> I can't stand <laughs> your ass. I mean I swear to God. So when the movie came out the first one, I went to thirty fourth street to see it with my friend Chris. And it was a whole different experience. Then we went to Lincoln Center. <laughs> I'm telling you, 
we got dialogue. That's when I realized that actually who was talking was um Killmonger and his daddy. I was would like, you, oh. Would you just move on? Anyway. People, <laughs> <laughs> let me introduce my co-hostesses with the mostesses. We have Andrine from Soli Tennis Travel. How are you doing today? I am doing wonderfully. <laughs> and that's it? No traveling? Yeah. No no traveling. I'm set, I'm I'm actually in Los Angeles after a month of travel because I'm in the space now where I don't want to get on flights. So if I have another upcoming flight, I simply stay at the place that I'm at and just wait it out. I'm like, well, do I want to fly all the way back to LA? I'll just stay in Philadelphia with my mom. And I'll I just, so I was away for a month. Well, that's good. I just had a travel experience and you're right, you know, like Yeah. Wait a guy. I don't know how we haven't figured out operation or flu powder or something like magic, you know, just getting on the train, getting on an airplane, waiting in the airport is so. Well, honey, you were trying to get point. to the Caribbean. They don't like to get, they don't like to make it <laughs> get to the Caribbean at all. <laughs> anyway, but keep going. It's true. <laughs> I think when you're white, when you're trying to go to the Caribbean, it's easy travel. Oh my God, it's so amazing. Like the fly and everything. But when you're from there, it's just like, can <laughs> well, I, do to I need to get on a camel, a boat? Do I need to take a Fly in, well, like, you know, like literally be, flying on a jetpack. But let's just be clear. No one knows the Caribbean that you're going to, Reels. I mean, we're looking for Jamaica. We're looking for Trinidad. And we're looking for Bermuda. What is the place that you were trying to go to? St. Vincent and there the Grenadines. <laughs> and this is precisely why this kind of attitude is precisely why it happens. <laughs> because you can't have any Caribbean cooperation. Jamaica is like, well, everybody can come to us. So why should I care that I can't go to one of the quote unquote Listen to this, Janina. This is what they say, Janina. One of the small islands, Jamaica, <laughs> which can fit into New York City. I'm sure Jamaica can fit into Manhattan, but they're like the small islands. We're a small but island anyway. with a big personality. But uh, right. go ahead. We did great. We have Janina from Farin, Ohio. How are you doing, ma'am? I, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I told you I was on a tight schedule today, and you just did a 20,000-minute intro. <laughs> But I love you the you best see, for that. <laughs> you know, I'm always upset. You know, whenever, Andrine, you know, whenever Janina organizes a podcast, right? She, you know, you're in for it, right? She respects her time. <laughs> I, I love it. We're on it. We're on it. And we have a And guest. of course, you have Reels, the homosexual of the podcast. But today is an extra special podcast. Right after Wakanda Forever, we have Federer Forever. And we are discussing Federer's retirement it is official right it is real for real are you going to introduce the other guest well before i even get to that janina can i do my job okay sorry so because we are having an extra special podcast today we invited an extra special guest who is federer's number one hater he's the biggest rapper fan (laughs) in the whole world no he is not (laughs) no he's not no he's not but he is the biggest Rafa fan. I'm no, sure if Uncle not. Sam does his taxes, there are checks oh coming goodness. from Uncle Tony. I just got oh. shot. <laughs> Why? Really shot. did. Why are you shots fired? I get it. No, no. We have the lovely and talented Howard Bryant with us today to talk about the one and the only Roger Federer. Does Roger Federer have a middle name? I don't know. Does he? No, these are details Ooh, that we, we, we as Federer fans do not know. Wow. I bet you the real fans know. Please, real fans. Does Federer have a middle name? <laughs> what, would, what do you think Federer's middle name would be? It's not a James. He is not a James. It's something <laughs> stupid like Walter. 
Arthritis. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, it's so interesting when you think about that because people have so many, you know, people know so many weird facts about an individual. And then you think to yourself, mm-hmm. wait, do you have a middle name? That's just one of those little. Uh, that should have been one of the things that you should know right off the bat, right? Like your no, middle name. We're not real fans, but I think hello, it's Thomas. Howard. Welcome. He looks like Thomas. Thank you. How are you, Howard? How are you? I am good. I'm sorry, Reels, that I thought that there was a. There was a chance that I was going to see you at the U.S. Open, and I missed it. I missed my window. Yes, you did. But you should have been in CD Open, you know, where, you know, the real fans show up. At True. I have done I have done three City Opens, and then once ESPN was like, well, we ain't broadcasting it, so you can go if you want, but maybe we won't. Like, wow. <laughs> you know what? They missed out. That was an excellent tournament this year, I'd say. Yeah. Right? I enjoy D.C. so much. I think it's a, I think it's a totally underrated tournament. Yeah, it really is. And it's 500 points. I mean, 500 points, Nole don't have. But, I mean, hey, I'm just saying, Nole, see the open for you next year if you can get it. Oh, God, please, no. I mean, it's a great city. It's a beautiful city to come into and do it. Let's see. So, Rafa did and went out after losing to Lloyd Harris. Yes. Um, Andy Murray did it, right? Oof. I think Murray did it twice, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think Nick Ned's did ever it done twice. It. Nick did it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Twice. That's his little tournament. He loves that. And Monfils wanted it was one of his two five hundreds. Yeah, yeah, it's also one of the best, one of his faves, right? Yeah. And it's easy five hundred points if you really can, you know. The crowd loves get you. Get your shit together. The crowd and I loves will say, you, I always say about the City Open, it's one of the few tournaments that you go to, and the racial makeup of the crowd is a healthy one, I would say. That was amazing. There were so many black people. <laughs> well, and I didn't just say black people. I said a healthy makeup, because there are yes, also right. a very diverse range of people there. Um, thank you, City oh, City Card, I guess, and, and also the City Card holders. <laughs> and I don't fans. know if my City Card is thanking me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think the way that the tournament goes nowadays is like you basically have to have a credit card to get into a cool room. That's how it's going to be from now on. The, right. the tents yeah. are the only way for you to have temperate weather because whew, you spend a lot you of money. Not a lot of shade. A lot of money. You want to survive this? Welcome to corporate hell. Okay, you gotta <laughs> yeah. sign up for capitalism one on one if you want some shade from this thing. It is a brutal tournament, but I'm telling you, for the fans' experience, I think fans get really up close and personal with the same players they get to see at the U.S. Open three weeks, two weeks later. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's, you know, it's worth your money to go there. I'm not trying to upset the aunties, you know, because they enjoy their people not showing up for certain matches. But, you know, <laughs> it's always good. The doubles, when you get, like, exciting players, it's always good to watch. Um, yeah, the only problem I have with the City Open is that it's hard to get to when you're staying in D.C. Really? What do you well, mean? Because, well, because... You got to get all the traffic? Well, not the traffic, but I was... The the whole Uber Lyft situation the last yeah. time I was there, I'm like, yeah, I might bring a blanket next time. <laughs> yeah, it is messy. It is messy because you know, especially trying to leave at night, you're wondering like, is this going to be my last night on earth? You're going <laughs> well, to like some like. I would say avoid that. I think the best way to get out of the city open is definitely the shuttle. I mean, I know there might be a line, and so you might have to leave. But the the line the line is pretty efficient and quick. So I would say the 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 line for the shuttle and then get it where you park and ride for the the metro is the best way because you're right. 
we took an Uber and Howard, I was yeah. scared. I was like, it's dark. Exactly. And don't even know where the actual pickup <laughs> spot is. I'm like, and it's right. in, like Rock exactly. Park is in the woods anyway. I'm like, they may just find me in, in the it's, creek over it's, there. Listen, <laughs> the fact that you said it and I talked, I said it out loud to Reels. And I was like, I, th- I, I think, did I call you Reels? And I was like, I'm worried that I may not make it out of here if I just want to give you a note that I'm in a car leaving the woods. <laughs> Exactly. I had that same experience in going to meet you. I was just like, where is this place? Where, exactly. like, I've been that. here for three days. I have never seen this. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm like, I'm in Narnia. I'm at it the edge true. of Narnia for sure. This has to be the edge of Narnia. Yeah, right. The yeah, white right. queen is coming to get me right now. And oh. the Uber driver was just like, yeah, so you're from New York. And I'm just saying, yeah, but I don't know where in D.C. this is. Yeah, Nothing about what I've ever seen on DC brochures prepared me that I would be in the middle of a forest, what they call a national park. Nothing. None of the pictures they've shown has ever showed me this, but okay, here we are. Let's get into it, y'all. So, yes. So, Roger Federer has officially announced his retirement. It is a sad, 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 sad date for the tennis world, for his fans, and for a lot of people. I know a lot of people are far more emotional about this than I am. I have YouTube, I have my memories, the lovely memories of Roger Federer. And I have been a fan of Roger Federer when he had blonde streaks, hair, messy, when he was a petulant child. So, you know, I'm not late on the bandwagon. I've been on the bandwagon from the very first. So it's not as, you know, it doesn't affect me, but I do know that he will be missed. I will miss knowing that Roger Federer is playing and see his unique style, his unique game, his carriage. I will miss that. Because no one on tour actually looks like that. But you know, that's what happens when you are a great player. You just, your uniqueness holds it there. And this year we lost two great players. Uh, I wouldn't say lose, but you know, in the sense that, you know, they're missing somewhere. They just won't be on tour for real, for real. They're not going to be in any draw. They're not going to sign up for any, you know, they're not going to play a Davis Cup or a Fed Cup. Or they're not going to show up for anything other than, you know, collect some check, you know, wave from the sand and get, maybe give out a trophy or a plate. But Serena and Roger Federer, you know, similar. I think they're both the same age, actually. They're like a month and a half apart, actually. Um, they're no more on the tour. So I'm lady, with some others, but let's just be real clear that we're talking mostly about the two <laughs> goats, because there were others who left who, the tour this year as well. <laughs> who left that we should... We may Stop, not it. Stop it. Stop it right now. Actually, I'm sorry, Andrea. Sad. I'm trying to put you on the spot. Andrea, Google that right now. Ash Barty. <laughs> no, it's very sad. Oh, right. yes. Ash Barty. Yes. But, but Howard, Howard keeps track. Howard is probably the most definitive voice. Howard, quite a few people left this year, no? Quite a few people left this year. And, you know, some people that you don't really care about. Like, I don't I don't really sense this podcast weeping the departure of uh, Sam Query. Um, but <laughs> he's left. <laughs> True. But yep. I will absolutely oh. put Del Potro in there and Sanga. Yep. I'm going to miss yes. both of those dudes. Oh, um, yeah. And, you know, obviously Serena and Federer making it official is the story of of the of the, uh, you know, of the year. But that whole generation, you know, that that group for me, at least when I really came back to covering tennis to like really watching it um, consistently for me has pretty much been like the last 11 or 12 years especially obviously watching it before but when it became part of the job so you know 
Monfils is on his way. Ferrer is already gone. Sanga this year. Now, Del Potro hasn't really been there, but the fact that he made it official and then gave an incredibly heartbreaking interview a couple of weeks ago where he, I don't know if anybody saw it, where he was talking about, I don't know who I am without tennis. And I got a little worried. He's like, I don't have a, I don't have a second act right now because I don't even have a first act because this act got taken away from me right when I was going. And so yeah. for him to say that out loud was a little tough to hear. <clears throat> yeah, I have some problems with that. I mean, I, I have, um, of course, you know, Delpo was a legit, I can see why Delpo has this feeling of a stalled career because he was a legit contender, right? He was one of, yeah, but not only, you know, it's not, it's not in the sense like, okay, Delpo won one slam and you're, you're thinking to yourself, he was lucky to do that. He was legitimately the player who could take the racket out of the hands of the great ones at, at, even at their peak. Right. So he, he, he can legitimately feel as if his injuries prevented him from getting titles you know some people you know they have an injury and you're like well they they had a lovely career um right but delpo i think has stalled because he really does believe that he was robbed and i think that's really what's sad to me about listening to delpo now um is both well also the robbing also that happened personally from his family i think that also is that also is challenging for him because um according to some of the news i'd read earlier his father had also taken some of his money um while he was distracted by his career so i think it's sad on multiple levels but is delpo like a tom brady type which is like don't know what to do i mean it's weird right because tom brady has been very very successful so he should be able to be like okay well i'm done i've had a good career i have a good run but is it is it the other side of it which is you don't know how to say goodbye to a place i have no, no longer can hold you yep i don't know i don't have a second act and and, and that is i mean that's the one area where you feel both the most proud of and the least concerned of with roger Mm-hmm. I don't think Roger's lying about it. Roger has done, I think Roger is, the tank was empty to, not to his satisfaction, obviously. He wanted to get to Basel, but he think I think he had recognized the last couple of years. I, I was at the U.S. Open um, with you, Andrew, until I was up in the green room and I was talking with, because you, you walk into the ESPN green room and they're all just gossiping. There's McEnroe and Chrissy and then of course, there's Mary Jo, who's married to Tony Godsick, who is Roger's agent, and they're all sitting there talking, and I'm sitting right there, and I'm like, y'all know there's a reporter, like, right here, right? And so um, <laughs> so I'm listening to them, and Tony is saying, ah, the knee's not responding, he's he's done. And they were just saying it, and I'm like, they're talking about Roger. I'm not supposed to be, right, right can I write this shit down right now? Right? Um, and so, Thanks for holding out. Exactly. And, 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 you know, Tony was shaking no, his I'm head. Doing that Maggie Haberman. You know? <laughs> <laughs> gotta get that dig in. I gotta Ooh, get that dig in. That's all kinds of I'm glad that there's now a room for her for that. But go ahead. Oh right. And so, but you could hear Tony was just shaking his head, and he was like, he wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. He wasn't sure that he was going to play Labor Cup. So when he announced he was only playing doubles, it just took me back to that conversation. Well, that's. I, I have to say that you know that's one of the things I I've always admired about Federer. Um, is that he really, and and having seen Federer from when he was like a child, quote-unquote child, in the sport, is he really took on to really look around the sport. It was, his, his, he was never, I'm just looking at myself. He's looking at what everyone is doing the, 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 and trying to learn and understand 
how to really manage this career, particularly when he became the Roger Federer. Because, you know, having gone through like, you know, like he was supposed to be this young phenom and he wasn't winning majors at 17, 18. And he was a quote unquote late bloomer. And he sort of managed those expectations, managed the, the, you know, managed how to navigate this road and not allow the sport to actually consume him, which was something Venus and Serena sort of talked about. Like, we got to look at something else other than tennis. Tennis got to be something. Else. And people drag them for, for saying that out loud. But I think Federer sort of responded because, I mean, like, we, we don't even have to look at Tom Brady. We can look at Andy Murray. Andy Murray is literally, and Leighton Hewitt, like they're literally dragging their bodies to the point where they are, they are risking at this point. I don't know why I haven't seen Hewitt in a long time, but Murray is at this point risking <laughs> permanent damage to his body for That's the sake true. of thinking that he can come back. There is no doubt in anyone's mind that Murray swears to God that he can come back and be in the top 10. Murray doesn't see himself as a, as a you know, I'm just biding time here. I'm just trying to manage expectations. Eh? He's like, I can win this thing all over again. And he's not listening to his body. Now, I'm so torn by all of this because I think the thing to remember more than anything else is that these guys are really young people. Roger Federer is 41 years old. I mean, there's only one thing that we're talking about that makes him old and it's his sport. And so on the one hand, I always think that you have to play the long game because the reals, you're right. You don't want to, you know, be like these football players who can't lift their arm above their shoulder blade and they're like 51 years old. Um, you don't want that. But at the same time, you're also thinking that you got to run this tank until it's empty because once it's empty, you're not coming back at 50. You're not, and there's, there's only one Kamiko Date Crumb who's out there playing at 45 years old. You know what I mean? I mean, it doesn't. But, but they're not going to accept that kind of career that Kamiko had, right? That's they're right. not going to accept, you that's know, just right. being on the top. They're not, they're not here for participation. No, that's they're right. here for points. That, <laughs> they no, want real points. They're, they're, they're exactly. not even here for points. They're here for championships. And, and, and that is the thing where it reminded me of when when Ferrer just dragged Andy Roddick on grass where I Wimbledon and he killed him. I mean, you know, when Ferrer got inside of you, you weren't gonna, he was just a beast on terms of how he would just wear you out, but he's still Andy Roddick on grass and he got his ass kicked. And we're in the interview room afterwards and they're like, okay, Andy, what's next? And Andy was like, I wanna play relevant tennis. And I remember sitting here thinking, what on earth does that actually mean for Andy Roddick, especially on grass? Does relevant tennis mean second week? Does it mean semifinals? Does it mean quarters? I mean, what is it? Does it mean playing well? How long do these great players play the game? We saw, and I think, Andrean, you made a really good point about Del Potro, about being a guy. He was not the guy who won one slam that he really wasn't supposed to. You look at somebody like Schiavone, who kind of did. And mm -hmm. she played and played and got whooped and kept playing. You look at Sam Stozer, same thing. She And she's another one who finally <clears throat> announced she was coming off the singles tour this year. She's another one who hasn't been close to a slam, but will keep playing. Roger Federer is not going to do that, right? I mean, those guys are like, okay, if I'm, if I'm not championship material, if I'm not, if I don't believe I can hold the whole thing, I'm out. But Federer was older than all of those players you mentioned, though. True, but I just meant because I, what you I can mean, do. I have, we've said this many times in the podcast, you know, that I have accepted the possibility of Federer retiring every year since 2012. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. so because and he won it that year, 
and and he won Wimbledon that year, right? And but you know, I think when you looked at the U.S. Open, at the the a few weeks later when you had um the Olympics, Delpo dragged him, and he yeah. couldn't recover. He was done in the semifinal, and, and I was wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> First of all, that characterization is weird. Delpo's dragging Federer. It was no, I, I mean no, I meant Tumbletari. Okay, okay. No, I'm not even saying it because I'm like trying to like. I'm just saying the narrative around that is really tricky, right? Because part of that was the age factor, the recovery. Right. That's what I meant. That's what I right? meant. That's what that's the what I'm. Recovery after yeah. is important. It's the recovery factor because you know right. I'm used to when Federer was Federer any given Sunday he was in the finals week after week he managed his schedule. <laughs> Federer Federer was Federer looked the same at the beginning of the season to the end of the season. His fitness was. It's underrated. We don't talk about it because it doesn't look like uh, Rafa or like a Novak Djokovic. But he wasn't coming off the toe for weeks for injury, right? <laughs> Federer was, I mean, when he had that knee injury, you know, I think, what, 2015, I think it was? That's with the, the Australian longest Open. he had been off the tour. Yeah, yeah it was the longest really he'd been off the tour. Like, that, really. he had surgery, you yeah. know, like he had to be, we weren't used to that. So I'm saying that, you know, because... We are not used to Steffi Graf retired at 30, 29, losing the Wimbledon finals in 99. But That's when most tennis players retired. So for me, let's you know, talk about let's talk about this in a little bit different of a way. Okay. So you've got <clears throat> you've got Serena Williams, who is set for life. Everybody knows her. She has transcended tennis. Same with Roger Federer, right? Delpo says, you know, like, I have nothing without tennis. Nobody knows who he is. This is the one thing that he's good at, and now it's gone. Federer and Serena have careers after tennis no matter what. And even Tom Brady, this motherfucker's still playing, and he's already got a deal to be a commentator. And he's still on the field, but people know who he is. He's okay. Sometimes, this is going to sound mean, but it is true. At times, sometimes people are just good at one thing and they're not good at other things. And then when they lose that thing, they are lost. You know, I'm sure that we all know somebody that we grew up with or went to school with or and you think, oh, I'm so good that they were successful at this because there's nothing else that they probably would have done. That and is harsh. It's true, though. It's, <laughs> it's true. Harsh, it's harsh, but it's true. And I also think it, I want to temper that with the piece that Howard brought up, which is about who else has left and what it's meant. I think when you think about the trajectory of your career, whatever that thing is, if you are a person who sees peaks as a given, that's a different ball of wax, right? Which is what you're talking about with the Federes of the world. And I think the Schiavonis, um, the um, the Stosers, mm -hmm. that one peak was a surprise in so many ways, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you can continue on. There's no sense of disappointment that you don't reach that level again. You look back fondly at that, but you can still continue to have a conversation with yourself about what it is that you're doing, why you're there, why you're continuing to show up. I think the interesting outlier for me in this narrative that we're painting is Venus, Right. Venus has been yes, at on the Schiavone side. No, actually, she's not on the Schiavone no, side. She's, she's, been, Schiavone she's been on side, both right? sides. She's been on That's both what sides. I'm she's been mm -hmm. on both sides. She's like the outlier for me of like a champion who has coming back and continuing to go willing to go out in week one, willing to, you know, all of those other elements. But weirdly enough, I don't know if I feel the same about Venus the way that Reels feels about Andy Murray. <laughs> 
characterize them in the same sense of like I don't know I hate to say it but a little bit of a desperation but um so it it is really interesting to think about maybe what the athlete defines as their real reason for being in the room right that's exactly right and it's so important to think about the different layers of that because everyone's got a different path right everyone has a different journey in like why they do what they do some people do it because they're only here to win and they're not gonna the, the the hardest thing that most professional athletes have to deal with when it comes to retirement number number one is this reality that you can't do this anymore like it's a real reality and like this but i always say Vina that said this, that Vina said that she said the athletes professional athletes they can tell their body what to do and it will respond there is an expectation. It's like when That's you see right. those athletes do the splits, it's like it's not part of their game, right? It's not part of the usual game. But they have so much control over their body that they could do a split, you know what I mean? Like their body can respond for any expectation, any situation. And then there's that moment in an athlete's life when your body just doesn't do the thing that oh. you want it to do. That's and then right. that therein becomes, the pro- therein lies the problem, right? Like it just... It doesn't react the same way. It may be, It's beyond just being a step or two quicker. You're not recovering the same. The injuries are real injuries. Like you are risking permanent damage. And maybe you always see yourself, you know, like being, you know, like beyond. I, I think most of what Delpo says, you know, like I'm nothing without tennis, but I'm nothing without being a tennis champion. I need to win. I need to collect these points. Yeah, I don't even money, hear that trophy. Piece in I don't hear that part. But no, Howard, no, no, I'm just saying sure, for, for like the top athletes. Like, can we let Howard finish out the point he was going to make huh. about that, and then yeah, come back just, around to yours? I'm just going to say that there, there really are three ways to go in sports, and you can't get rid of them, right? There's door number one, which is the game retires you. You go out there, you get blown off the court, and you go, okay. I can't I can't do this anymore. Right. You know, and especially the great players, which is why so many people are making such a big deal about Hercotch beating Federer 6-0 on grass. It's like when that happens, it's a sign, whether it's your whatever it is. Door number two is your body retires you. You wake up one day and God, I can't walk. Right, His body says enough. That's what happened when we got done talking to uh, to Roddick at Wimbledon. The next month, his shoulder goes. Del Potro beats him at the U.S. Open. He's never played tennis again. That was it. And then, of course, there's the third one, which is the very, very special one. It's the Pete Sampras. It's the the Flavia Panettism that you win and I'm out. You get that title and you go out on top. There's no fourth door, you know. And 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 I think that's the thing that these guys. For us, there's a fourth door, which is we want narrative. We want to we want to write that narrative. But if you're Andy Murray, you're like, damn it, I'm still top ten. <laughs> I can do this, and you can't do this, and you have to sometimes. And that was the thing with Serena when we were going to the U.S. Open. There is a piece of this ritual that they that has to be proven to them. If you want me, you guys talk about it all the time with with the olds, as Andrew calls them, right? If if you want me out of here, beat my ass and get me out of here. And then when that happens, it's kind of sad to see, well, you held on too long. But that is that is the ritual. For every athlete in every sport. All of them. Every I mean, that's one. why we that's why we still have Rafa. 
because 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 you he know what? Going anywhere until you break him in twelve no. different pieces. Well, also be, even though because Rafa flirts with the idea that he's always on the edge of retiring, and then he's like, I was on the edge of retiring, and then I won the Australian Open, no, exactly. and I'm like, Medvedev, thank you very much, right. gave you new life, and then he like, went on to win Roland Garros. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna be quiet. I, thank I'm you, Casper Ruth. But I, I wouldn't be quite honest, but I want to throw one thing in there that Reels brought up earlier, and then I'll, you know, y'all can just go, which is it's one of the things that I really enjoy about Roger is that everybody's different, right? Everybody talks about, you know, everyone's got their own game. And every single day, you know, you roll your eyes at Rafa's injuries. But the thing that I love about Roger is that he not only set the standard of what championship level was because let's face it before roger you didn't have to win all four majors you know no, you really didn't you could and beat, beat sampras and, and never even get to a semi-final on, i on know one question you you got to semi-final the french open Thank french you open once you never got to a final right and no one questioned it at all but with roger roger did two things roger set the entire bar of what now now we got a whole new different layer of what champion is mm-hmm. but the other thing roger did too was to Reels' point about this elegance, this elegant narrative of Federer, this artistry narrative, this ballet-type quality of... Roger Federer came to beat your ass. Roger Federer came out there. He's an attacking player. He didn't do it the way Rafa did it. He doesn't grunt and groan the way, Mm -hmm. you know, Djokovic and contort and scream the way Murray does it. But the toughness, the most underrated piece of Roger is his toughness. He's one of the toughest, most mentally tough players you'll ever see. And when he was out there, he didn't, you know, everyone gives Rafa all the credit. But watch Roger when it counted. You know, I mean, there's that junkyard dog quality to him where he's like, especially big servers. Come get it. You want some of this? Come get it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what's interesting. And I, I want to um, I want to lean in on this point a little bit because I saw a tweet from... Um, I saw a tweet from uh, John Wertheim about the (laughs) moment when Federer um, and Rafa were crying. And, you know, this is my, and I'll just be real clear about it. This is my enduring challenge with John Wertheim and a lot of, I think, U.S. commentators is the failure to understand the range of masculinity that is available to men in sport. And the fact that a huge part of the foil narrative around Rafa and Fed and even and Nole is the idea of which of them is manly enough to represent tennis and the way people want to talk about tennis is hardness and its grittiness right and it's like because there was you know the whole thing about Federer never being injured or never sweating and it really created this notion of Federer as a kind of um he's I John Wertham is really particularly guilty of this of really claiming Federer as a performer right, as a performer and not really understanding the effort that is going into the work that you're seeing, because unless you can see effort, you don't believe it exists. Oh, Which is kind of odd because... And it's and it becomes gendered, because I think and, that's and, also... And racist as well. It's, it's racist and it's gendered, and it's part of the legacy of what you see when people can't understand that you can have an effective women's match that's 90 minutes, 
versus a man's match that's four minutes, four hours, right? And and all of those kinds of layering around hardness, toughness, and all of this kind of language. And I know it's because of sort of the history of tennis being a kind of, in their mind, a country club sport and a gentleman's sport and all of these kinds of things. But I do think it does get it does push back on an understanding of how difficult it was for Federer to be there every given Sunday. And mm-hmm. for the fact that maybe he didn't advertise his injuries, but no athlete is going through their career without having pains and you just didn't know it. Right. What, and so, <laughs> all the time, you're but it's funny because you should say that about John war times who, you know, That's I have many mind. challenges against with him is that his little silly documentary that he had, if nothing else, it showed with the 2008 Wimbledon final. Yeah. The most important takeaway from that is that Roger and Rafa approach the sport the same way. They're putting in the same amount of effort. They have the same sort of goal when they're in a match. They have the same kind of hunger. But in some ways, but in other people, for some people, they can they can consume rappers much more in this sort of like, yeah, it's a more it's masculine way. And Federer just like, easy, he's having tea and crumpets. This man is in Dubai training <laughs> in a freaking desert. You understand what I'm saying? I'm just like, how more, like, like he's taking it seriously. Like, he talked about, he face. literally had like his fitness, you know, it's all there. It's like, fitness challenge. And well, I think and, he took it seriously enough. I'll just say, and then Howard, he, he took it seriously enough that he said that one of the early critiques of him was that people thought he was not working hard, that he was doing, that he he was putting in no effort. Like you're 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 giving away matches. Those kinds of things were were lobbied at Federer. You know what I mean? yeah. So well, I was gonna say Roger just found out what it was like to be black for a second there. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, well, be, well, because that's. Point. Well, because that's what you get. Oh, you're not even trying. You're so good. You're just naturally gifted. You're not. Yes. You know, how many times do you hear that about black players? Had he been black? Yeah. Oh my God. Had he been a black player? Listen, had he been black, the laser fair would have been on his back. You think they'd have been out of the sport already? A certain way. Right. He would have but, been out of the sport. I don't think. Like, I don't think he would have been hard. able to try. Like, I mean, seeing that his mother is South African, I mean, like, if she were a black woman. I don't think he would have been able to, Federer would not have been Federer. He couldn't have thrived in this sport the way he did. You, you know? mean given the fact that he wasn't a teenage phenom and he was such a disappointment, right? In right. The early, in the early era. In the they might have crushed him before he got going. Well, what happened with, with Monfils? Because Monfils won three majors as a junior, didn't he? Right. And so, yeah. young. Those athletes could have, they, they weren't allowed to strive. They were just weren't given the opportunities, and he wouldn't have been given the same opportunities, the leeway, um, because Federer talks the about the fact that to breathe. <laughs> right, yeah. like he was petulant on court, he was making a scene, like that would have defined his entire career. No, that's right. The that first time pattern. I saw Roger Federer, first time I met him, the very first thing I saw in him, and I'm no lie about this, I was like. He's got the skinniest arms of any man I've ever, a professional athlete I've ever seen. <laughs> true, Even Gilles Simon? I mean, well, but Simon don't hit with that. the power that, that's it's the combination. It was like, well, wait a minute. And that's one of the reasons why people looked at him to Andrine's point about it has to look, it has to be the way it looks. Yep. And it's not always the way it looks. And so, and, 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 and white people, 
have benefited from this for forever. You see Rocky running up the stairs, huffing and puffing and sweating and dying, and you go, oh, he's giving real effort. Well, maybe he's just out of shape. Or maybe, <laughs> or maybe for him it just takes more than it takes the other guy, but it doesn't mean the other guy is not working. Well, we just have all these preconceived notions about what sport is supposed to look like what and what effort like? in sport looks yeah. like. And, and then, the the yeah. the real reality is is Federer's tennis is just pretty. It does look effortless at times. He doesn't give you too much to show that he's putting in a lot of effort. We saw that more at the end of his career than in his prime. But you know, whereas Rafa was always looking like, I'm gonna kill you. I'm going to kill this ball. I am sweating my ass off. I am grunting. And, you know, you didn't get that from Federer. And it's part so, of my strategy. It is Correct. part of my strategy. You know? And it's right. also part of Federer's strategy, right? Because that's what, if you listen to his rivals, that's what, you know, I don't know if you've read, you've seen those videos facing Federer. Those were the epic ones. But if you talk to like Burdich and other players, they're like in the locker, chit-chatting with Roger 20 minutes before their match, having a great time. And then he goes out on court and he kills you. Um, and, um, because... <laughs> I think um, Henman says, um, I yep. think Henman says something like, um, if I remember, thinking, is that every single ball you get from Federer is not the same ball. Every right. single ball is different. So he's drawing the error from you because you don't know where the serve is going to go, which is, again, another underrated part because he's not hitting it up there. And all the big servers knew that this man is the is the worst returner you're going to face because he is he knows you are going to he has and that's what I love about Federer he is studying the game he studies the pattern I mean all of the matches that I can remember is Federer which encapsulate Federer for me is facing Andy Roddick yeah is and the indictment Federer has against American men tennis that <laughs> I think if U.S. tennis USTA Need to go look at what Roger Federer has been sending, the message he's been sending to them over and over and over again since the early 2000s. And they still haven't learned that lesson yet, you know, and still we're still seeing the same crap. And we're wondering why Carlos Alcaraz is going to take over tennis and not an American man. Maybe yeah. because y'all won't read in the notes from 2005. Could you be explicit though, Reels? What's the notes? The notes in terms of like, you know, this idea that you're going to stand up there and just be a big serve and, you know, a full hand. You're not going to fitness. You're not going to be volleying. You're not going to have like shots, you know, like imagine, you know, a, a, a greater imagination on the court, which I think is what the big three does better than everybody else. You know, like, I'm imagining the dimension of this court way above yours that, that you're doing here, that no shot is safe. And fitness level, American men, you can't think of the American men able to even be in this place. Like, you almost can see them and know the pattern of play. Oh, it's an American man coming out on court to face you. I know exactly what's going to happen here and what you're going to do. You know, and 100% for Howard. Let's go a little bit to the initial. Howard said his. Howard, you mentioned your initial experience with Federer. What was yours? Um, what, what, what was the? Do you remember when you saw the th the thin arms? The first time, <clears throat> Indian Wells, 2012, Indian um, Wells. when he beat Isner in the final. That was mm -hmm. the. Is that the first time we met? Were you at that one, or was it the next year? 
Um, we probably met the next year, but I was at I was I was I was at that tournament. That's that was the neurovirus one where everybody was puking. They were all getting sick. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody was withdrawn. It was beautiful. It was, beautiful. Right? It was like oh, so you met Federer when Federer was already established as Federer. No, no, in well, in person. I'd seen Roger, in person, obviously, but okay, I'd never. Yeah. But but it wasn't my beat. I was covering baseball, so I had never. I didn't start covering tennis full time, like going to events as a professional until 2011. And so by then, Roger was Roger. And my favorite, the first thing was noticing was just the Roger style. I mean, it was the Roger, like people don't talk nearly enough about this with Roger. They talk about it with Jordan. Now they talk about it with Serena, but there was a Roger style. When he walked in, he's got the monogram out, you know, he's got the, you know, Nike making him make sure he looks good, right? And the thing that I enjoyed about that first meeting in the interview room with him, then I actually got to talk to him afterwards, which never happens, um, was how cranky and how crotchety he was. It made me laugh because Roger, <laughs> Roger was not, Roger was not here for stupid questions. You know, Roger was, he, and he did it in a very polite, but very firm, but he wasn't mm -hmm. giving you a platitude. It was like total eye roll. He wasn't like Roddick where Roddick is trying to embarrass you. You know, Roddick will say to you, that's a stupid question, or I see what you're trying to do here. And it's very rude and very petulant. But Roger's not like that. But Roger was like, nah, not today, right? I mean, what do you really want to know? If you ask me something intelligent, I'll answer it. And he was, I, I had so much respect for that because I was like, yeah, he's no bullshit in here either, right? He just wants, he, he has something to say. He wants to get his point across. And while that he was talking, I was just looking at his arms. <laughs> I was just going, <laughs> I was staring at his arms going, I mean, That's, there's what's no, yours? What's there's yours, no Janina? Muscles. Reels? Come on, tell us your initial. So, <laughs> initially, my, my initial, like, fan experience with Federer, it's funny that, Howard, you say his arms were so skinny because the first time I seen him up close in person, I thought, oh, my God, he's so skinny. <laughs> like, his whole self was just way thinner than I thought. Um He's the only person I've ever been in a room where I felt starstruck and I had a hard time talking to, probably because he's so good at it. He is the person who makes you feel like you're the only one in the room. When someone asks him a question, he is yeah. looking at you. He is talking to you. He commands the room when he walks in. And I will never forget like sitting I had a round table with him and I was right next to him and I asked him a question and he talked and he talked and he talked like he gave me more time than he gave anybody, probably because I didn't ask about his damn forehand. And I asked about that camping trip that he did on that TV show. Um, but I was so enamored by him. I literally had to go back and listen to my recording because I wasn't sure of everything he said because I had completely like floated away on cloud nine. Like I'm talking to Roger Federer and he's <laughs> looking at me like I'm the only one here and we're having lunch, you know? And I remember in that moment, I was like, okay, pull it in, pull it in. But he's <laughs> so good at that. And that is, um, that is a gift. It's a special gift. And, you know, a lot of people can learn a lot from that when you have to deal with the public. I always say nice matters. People remember that. People remember that. Yeah, more than it does matter. Anything. It matters. I've never had anything but nice interactions with him, whether it be 
in the press room or as a fan and watching him interact with other fans. He was so nice to Micah when I took Micah to his very first tennis tournament. All he wanted to do was see Roger Federer, and we had a huge rain delay. Um, we actually left to go get cleaned up and we waited hours for Federer and that was huge for like a six-year-old child to just wait and have nothing going on on the grounds and then Federer passed through and he didn't stop and he didn't sign one autograph and I said we're gonna wait because he's gonna come back because he doesn't he doesn't do that and he did we waited like 20 minutes and it seemed like he'd gone and showered and he came back and he was just so nice to everybody he signed every autograph he took every picture and he was so sweet to Micah I never felt rushed with him and it was just nice he is nice most that's not my experience as a fan with most athletes yeah real real um Andrina and Andrina isn't this part of the other I think in the the list that reels you sent out we're talking about the legacy of Federer one of the really important things about this, in addition to talking about what it meant to win Grand Slams and how suddenly he changed, he raised the level of it all. He also raised what the the expectation of the best player is supposed to be. And we're seeing this with, mm-hmm. with Shapovalov and Kyrgios and Medvedev. Mm-hmm. You now have to be regal. You yep. got to yeah. be nice. You got to be a champion. <laughs> you have to carry. You got to you gotta carry stuff that the old guys never had to carry because no matter the what Kofsky people say. Sakovsky talked about that. I think mm-hmm. Tukovsky mentioned that when he, we, we interviewed him, he said, you know, like, when you look at the old press conferences with tennis players, he was just like, what is happening here? <laughs> like, what is, what is, what? Like, Roger Federer changed all of that. Like, you know, Roger Federer came into the room. And, I mean, I've only experienced him in real life, you know, covering tennis. And I think I tell Andrew, it's, it's like a conductor for a, a major philharmonic orchestra. It's like he is controlling everyone like he is the master puppeteer and you know um and to your point Howard he he does this thing when you're asking stupid questions or you're trying to get at something and he's just like no nope 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 we're not gonna do that I remember specifically when he lost to Chilich in 2014 and everyone was trying to goad him into saying Chilich was a doper and you know this is what was happening here and he said nope 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 we have cleared his name. This is what the sport has accepted. This is not a thing. This is over. And Chilich was a talented player before that happened. And has he has been close to beating me? Um, I think in the 2009, I think it was um, quarterfinals. I think Chilich had him on the run. Chilich won a set. And so, you know, just the way in which Federer controlled the thing and trying to always, I think, you know, to present the sport in a good light. He saw this thing as not to be a professional, selling tennis as a product, and that you must always sort of like, I think he didn't say that everyone had to be any particular way. He was just, this is what I needed to do. And I think because of who he is, it sort of like rubbed off, like, you know, attitude reflect leadership. He was leading the tour, I think, one of the longest, I think, and he took that responsibility seriously. But and what I, does that do? What does that do going forward now to the expectation of what a world number one is supposed to be? I think it. I think that's changed, and I'll, um, I would say that 
I don't I don't know if you all remember there was a period I'd say maybe 2015 maybe 2014-15 period where people were talking about like a little like a little bit of the tyranny of niceness the tyranny of yes. like federaness right which is that because of federal that was an initial legacy of federal right which is you've got to approach the sport as a, a as a professional as someone who has something to say you've got to represent the sport in a certain way and there at the time it was characterized as controlling it was characterized as um you neutering athletes you're not allowing yeah, them to show themselves mm-hmm. homogenizing the sport um and then there was also this notion that he was shutting people down in terms of um presenting conflict i think at the time he always seemed to understood understand which is very different than i think the current sport which is that you have a media representation it doesn't necessarily mean that behind the scenes you can't have heated discussions and you can't have conversations about what needs to happen and what doesn't need to happen. But then the question is like, then what do you then do when you go out and start talking about it? How are you going to characterize the discussions? And I think his approach was maybe Swiss was very specific about this is how you want to talk about the conversations that are happening in these player council meetings. How do you want to mm-hmm. represent it when you go out and publicly talk? And I think there was very much at that time, I think, a real sense that Federer had forced people to hide their personalities, right? Um, and 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 I think now what you're seeing is an a kind of mediated environment which is wanting the athlete to show a certain persona that is not necessarily even necessarily honest, more honest. I don't know if, it, know if it's more authentic or any of those kinds of things, but people's, um, people's sort of box for what authenticity means now is more chaotic, really. Yeah, but you, can't be a, you can't be a punk and the number one player anymore. I just don't know how long that's going to – like, I, I don't mean, know if the Nastasi is ever coming back or the McEnroe is, is coming back. That? And, I, I mean, so. Djokovic's failure, though. Isn't Djokovic's failure anytime he lets a little bit of it out? No, no, not that he lets it out, but isn't this the challenge of Djokovic in some ways? Is that he cannot actually do the thing where, like, his legacy is in question based on what he is as the number one player. Like, of course, Carlos is the number one player, but the default in people's mind is Djokovic is the best player in the world, right? But that's isn't that a little bit of the legacy of what Federer created, right? Which is this is how you. You have a responsibility, not just to yourself, but to the tour. That's right. Well, I mean, there is a piece of this where you still look at Novak, no matter what you want to say, like whether or not it's fair or unfair, whatever. And you guys made a great point on Twitter a few weeks ago, which I disagreed with because you were defending something I didn't think you needed to defend, which was, yes, there is a difference watching Roger. And yes, there is a beauty in him, and that beauty should not translate to Djokovic and Nadal or Thomas Bridiker. And he's different, and there are things that bring you to the sport. But but no matter what you say about how much you need to have uniqueness or whatever, Novak Djokovic got defaulted in the U.S. Open for hitting somebody with a ball, and he got <laughs> deported. <laughs> There's your number one, people. (laughs) (laughs) And you didn't have to come. Like, you literally triggered this. But let's also, let's ask that question. What about the privilege of Djokovic? This is one, let's talk about the contrast of being the number one player and being, and doing all the things Djokovic has, Janina. I could be wrong here, and I probably am. However, I think that Djokovic wants to behave how he thinks Federer wants him to behave, how Federer has 
uh, represented the sport. I think Novak wants to be able to do that and he doesn't know how, and he doesn't get the respect from the world that Federer has had for so long. So he's unable to do it. Um, and because of that chicken or egg, which one is it? I just think he doesn't have the personality. That's yeah, and I don't think he, he is. And I don't think he needs really to. Articulate. He doesn't. But the problem is, is he doesn't realize that, right? He, If he wanted to, maybe, possibly, as long as his dominance has been at the top, he could have maybe changed the way we think of that number A one player, player yep. of the world. Mm-hmm. But instead, he's tried to follow in Federer's footsteps and continue what he started, and he just can't do it. But is it really think. accurate, though? Because when I don't think so. Because when you accurate. look at when I look at Novak, whenever he speaks, incredibly smart, very well positioned, very politic, the whole thing. When he was talking about Roger at Wimbledon, I mean Novak has it because and I and I do think he believes it. I think Novak has two outside issues. One, his impulse control in the court is very different, and his impulse control in the court, people are going to penalize him for that. That's just. You know, when he goes full Novak, that's what he does. And he that and, and a lot of people just don't care about that, but a lot of people do. But the other thing about Novak, as you were talking about Tom Brady and you know Aaron Rodgers, is that Novak is also wacky. Yeah, he's that's a wacky other thing. He's yeah. he's, he's wacky. He's, 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 well, I mean he's illogical and he's he right. doesn't and and COVID has exposed that yeah. in a way that and I athletes think is really don't know out. how to receive real information because about I mean, belief let's not let's not let's not go that let's not put that big no but i i would <laughs> think what do you mean you, um the other Explain thing i that. would say in, in contrast to i think with federal's legacy i think it goes back to the idea we talk about it being looking so easy and i think not only just federal's style on the court look easy federal off the court looked very easy yes and no one sort of imagined bond. Right. You know, that's how the thing. And James Bond not an athletic person, right? Everyone think I just put on a tuxedo and all the martini and boom, I'm Bond. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> there's a lot but of I, self-control I, I, there. There's a yeah. lot. But isn't it? Can I ask you this, Reels, to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about this? Do you think it has to do with the Western Eastern European division there? I mean, I, I do think I do. I do think it's look. Federer grew up before there was social media. OK, and you would see it in the Serena and the Venus and those sort of older players. There is a way in which they would go out. And they had media training, right? <laughs> they had to have media training. And, you know, they understand about the product, about positioning, and the money to be made there. They understood themselves as a product. And they wanted, for all of the things that they wanted, it's hard work. And I think someone told Noli, and as they told the younger generation players as well, you just have to win, and all this thing will be yours. No one tells them that there is real work to put into it. Rafa makes it kind of look easy also. But because but, but if, if you notice, Rafa is not an affable social player. Rafa gets by because he is not Roger Federer, and he is versus Roger Federer. And there could only be two in that space, right? And now when Nole comes in, Nole is, Nole, as you we all know, Nole's whole legacy is defined by beating Roger Federer, right? All that his people have told him, you just have to beat Roger and Federer. Rafa on clay. And Rafa And be Rafa. Too. Well, I think the Rafa part came afterwards because yes. 
You know this when Roger, when Rafa, when Nole won 2008 Australian Open, he went into a, a tailspin until 2011. Yes, he did. Because he thought that, you know, like. Which is I weird because have, the king was dead. The king was dead. Like, I have beaten the man. And because that year, Roger Federer was in shambles, right? He had to beat Andy Murray to win a major, right? <laughs> that was it. He, and he had lost in the semifinals for the very first time. Because it was almost, and not only every given Sunday, every given major, Federer was in the finals. That's, and, the, that's the mono year, right? That nobody talks about. I don't know if you had, a, well, you might that's know a little bit more year. about that. Yeah. Listen, but, I, I, I get my news from Deb. But yes, that's the Federer <laughs> mono year. <laughs> yeah, I think he beat, was it Murray he beat in the final or was it Novak he beat in the finals? I think he beat Novak in the final. In the U.S. Open. No, no, he beat Novak in 2007. Because his father right. said next time they meet, they would beat, he would beat him. So yeah. I, I think Nole, Nole is constantly being defined by that. And honest to God, in any of the matches that they've ever had, the, the Federer versus Nole matchup is one where you don't know who will win this match. Mm-hmm. As opposed to when you see Federer, um, Nole versus Divadal, you can tell by halfway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where this is going, and lately, when it's on hard court, it's going no lays away for sure. Lately, on <laughs> well, generally, I, <laughs> I give I give Rafa a shot on clay. I mean, it, it's clay. even on it's on clay. It's, it's even. This is, by the way, one of the most incredible stats that people really just don't talk about. Rafa Nadal has not won a set off of Djokovic on hard court since 2013. Yeah, But I you know. know why we don't talk about it? Because we don't love Novak. <laughs> but also, we don't really care about We him. don't like care that because we don't anyway. love him. We don't he like doesn't that get that, that love but that Rafa gets, that Federer gets. Nobody cares. But it's, but it's the standard bearer issue. I think that's, I mean, I, I think a part of that is is a huge piece of the legacy question that Howard asked us. Rich is right. Who, I mean, it's, let's think about it on the WTA side, right? If Serena is in the draw, no matter what her state, <laughs> right? One I leg. think she's winning, damn it. Exactly. <laughs> Your assumption is she's winning. So she is, the cent- she is the center and everything moves around her. I think for a very long time, and this is something that I think a lot of people have been uncomfortable with admitting, which I don't really understand, better to Howard's point, Federer defined what excellence looks like as a champ on the ATP side for a very long time. These people are all imitating the legacy that Federer set. Like, yeah. there was a time when you used to be able to, like, opt out of this tournament, opt out of that. The consistency, the yes, showing up. did not go to England. They were not in England. No, yeah, right. you it's... just do what all that. So this is when I, when I talk about legacy and when I talk about GOAT conversations and all of that You're stuff. You're actually going to use it properly? How dare you? Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, the question is who set the standard that changed the course that's from right. there on in that's and, what that's what serena represents and that's what federal represents because you can see you can see their their the the mini images of people following their mantle that yeah, has actually but that would have been comfortable people, winning the french open and that little clay coat season and go home and sit down well, yeah, when people was, talk about legacy yeah. they're really talking about accomplishments you're yeah. talking about true legacy here's a yes. legacy that here's what I left behind, and here's how yesterday, tomorrow is not the same as yesterday because yesterday. of my presence. Yep. And when you look at, I always think about Reggie Jackson, the great baseball player. On this, is that 
Reggie did something that every free agent in New York has been trying to duplicate, but you can't. Reggie came in in 1977 when the Yankees hadn't won since 1962. He hits three home runs in a championship game. You're never going to do that. You can't because the time is different. And the thing about Roger that makes Roger so different from the rest of everybody is, is that you got to remember the moment he hit the ground can't be duplicated because of him, because of what he, you, you can't reproduce this, that you come in, you've got bad boy tennis coming up through the 80s, then you've got boring ass Pete coming up through the 2000s, so, and you don't have to. I'm going to actually have to hold back on that Pete criticism, well, let, let, okay? Let well, I'm finish, sorry. but okay. I feel the pain. Hey, but I what know. I'm saying is, is that, <laughs> is that you didn't, you know, Pete Sampras wasn't carrying the sport, even though he was the best player. Yep. I mean, he, he, you know, Agassi was the guy that people really liked in terms of right. personality. He was bringing the tickets. He was, he was selling exa- the tickets. Exactly, right? But there's no question who the best player was of that time. And then here comes Roger, who's the whole package. He's all of it. He's the perfect storm. He's the regal champion the sports never had. He's the dominant player who can do everything that everybody wants to do. He can do every single piece of it on every single surface. And he's also and people don't talk about this very much because it's not American-centric, he was also, corporate-wise, placed in that Tiger Woods category. They're all doing commercials together now. So yep. Roger has selling is a tickets. worldwide figure. They're selling the tickets. And, and everything, and everything that has come since is an outgrowth of that so when i talk about influence including osaka with her 50 million investments these are and and also and also the i mean and then we can talk a little we can talk about what you know when venus retires we can talk about her legacy and what that changed for women's tennis and the trajectory there but the packaging Mm -hmm. and everything that every single person is doing now the roots go back to federa you're the rf the the trophy on the sneaker, the jacket everyone hated, but now do all of the the, the trying the bag, to run, the bag, all <laughs> of the bag that is, doesn't have any rackets in it. It's the box. It's the Federer <laughs> box of Federer tennis icon. Check the boxes. Well, here's and, what it's supposed to look like. And here's what it's supposed to look. I'm yeah, feeding and, it and, to you. And go no further than Michael Jordan. All of a sudden, now your shorts are longer, and now you're wearing thousand dollar suits, and you're doing. And all of it, and it's it, and you see it in all the other sports. You know, you, you just have to think about it the proper way. And so where there's where there's Michael setting the standard as the champion, then there's Allen Iverson who's the counter to that. Yep. And Allen Iverson, gee, looks a lot like Nick Kyrgios, right? All <laughs> of a sudden, the guy who's trying to do the opposite of the thing. Yep. He's the you know otherwise known as anti-establishment. We've heard yep. it, you know. And and the the difference though with Roger, and the one quick one quick thing there reels when you were talking about how strangely underrated you felt Roger's serve was. Anytime I hear that, I just shake my head because Roger Federer is one of the top three greatest serves of all time. Yes, but 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 it goes to Andrine's point that she's talking about. It doesn't and 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 Janina mentioned it doesn't look like what we wanted to talk about because when we talk about <laughs> serve. <laughs> We talk about Isner. We talk about uh, Mark Filipusis. I mean, Federer won his first major against Mark Filipusis, whose game was built for that court, literally. You know, and and that's how I talk about Federer change. Like you know, like from the when Federer became, you know, and that's what I I, I um 
which I think is when now that Zarev is sort of injured, I think Federer had a word with Zarev and be like, "Boo, you don't have to do that thing, you know, like take your time and you will get there. You will develop." And I think Federer took understood that what that what I said I that I enjoy because I watched his journey from the beginning. You know that how he just when he when Federer started winning majors, better start winning majors, and he wasn't making the same mistake twice. You know, like he was like, okay, all right, I was supposed to win the French Open this time around, I fucked up. Okay, <laughs> let me get in. Mm-hmm. I have to take, and he took it very seriously. He took his sport, and if it's whenever you had a conversation with Roger Federer about tennis, he knew uh, about tennis. He was literally breaking it down. I don't know if he would be a coach, but if he does some instructional videos or something, uh, he write a tennis book, people please buy it. And when I say Roger Federer is textbook, I don't mean because it's perfect. It's because it is that kind of shot that basically he's when the coach said, this is what I was trying to show you. This is what I meant when I said to do this thing. Roger Federer was all of that. And I think everybody else is sort of like left or right of that. And but you know Roger Federer not only is the the legacy is you know all of those things you mentioned he's like when you look back at tennis and you talk about a shot you know well, you kind of have to start with Roger Federer as the example well, in you know all like the examples Every all of the example, example. Um, and, the and I mean the serve mm-hmm. the serve was um you know we you know again and I think we have to talk about the media. And part of the failure of a lot of this is the media, how they represent it. Because tennis, unlike basketball, unlike football, doesn't have an adversarial press. You have a lot of fanboys in the in the crowd who's writing and they're trying to stay in the good graces of everyone and their grandmother in order to keep their jobs or butter their bread or whatever the case may be. But if you didn't have that in tennis, if you had one of those adversarial press, you would have we would have got more far more interesting people family in Princeton reports and stories, you know, than to keep talking about the forehand. But, you know... And lack of access as well. I mean, our lack of... You know, but... You get in the other sports. Because one of the things I thought that Federer showed a lot of people was just like, it wasn't the power, it was the placement. It was always oh. the placement. Which is where Serena was doing that thing with the placement, but people always kind of talking about the power. power. So, <laughs> you know, it... It's, it's it, it didn't, technique. Exactly. It's the, it's the thing. Like the it's three the, greatest serves of all time, like the three greatest men's serves of all time are Sampras, Isner, and Federer, in whatever order you want. And Isner is simply because of the trajectory, because he's six foot ten. I mean, there's just <laughs> nothing you can do with that. He he is literally the most one dimensional player in history. Right? And to have as much success as he's had. But when Built you look at serve. it's all serve. But when you look at and to Reels's point, when you were asking him to break it down. I have said this numerous times. I hate watching Americans play. I hate I hate watching American tennis play. Why? Because Americans have been taught big serve, big forehand, and that's how you play tennis. And with the surfaces changing as much as they've changed, you got to know how to construct points. And Americans just don't construct points, which is why it's going to be really interesting to see if some of these newer guys can do it. You know. Um, but Roger, the other thing about Roger is that Roger is also the last of the generation that felt like they had to win to earn. I say this all the time. The difference between today and previous generations of tennis is that you can get the money of a legend. You can get the visibility of a legend. You can get the attention of a legend. 
without winning anything. The French. <laughs> right? Without winning anything. And the reason why we're talking about these guys is that Roger was like, okay, the money's better than it's ever been. I'm here to win. I'm playing against history. I am competing. And not only am I doing that, but I am competing. I think Roger is also the last guy. And, you know, Rafa to a lesser extent, um, Novak maybe a little bit more, but also to a lesser extent. Those guys are the last generation of players who played the sport and they competed against the tennis calendar, not against the four slams. You know, Roger's got 103 titles. In other words, I'm out there a lot. I mean, how many, who's who's going to win 100 titles? I mean, Djokovic will probably get there, but who who do you look at that is But even years? with Djokovic, think about when they were run, winning those titles. Five yeah. sets. Five, five set sets. masters. And that was the other thing. The Masters yeah. and yeah. Davis Cup was five sets, and you were a you know what play. I mean? <laughs> like, but it's that generation. And Federer has one of the – was played again underrated. And, but, you know, but, you know, I think part of this because – it's the media because I know everyone talks about Pete Sampras, you know, full hand and serve. That man had a really good backhand slice and he was he coming sure to net. Like he, he sure was did. actually, you, he was a great returner. Ask, ask Agassi. Like, you know, sometimes <laughs> I think you shouldn't ask press people, you know, no. what a player is. You, who should be writing the pieces about players if we want to understand their game? Are other players? Because sometimes, because I'm just like, I keep hearing players talk about Serena like, I don't know where the serve is going to go. I don't know where the serve is going to go. Like, I can't play my game because if she's just standing there, it means a lot of things. Well, but then the player, then a press person writes, it's the power got her intimidated. No, it's like the girl's going to be like, I don't know where to go. If I can hit like, three different serves off one toss, you're fucked. Exactly. <laughs> Which is a little bit of what they have in common as well, right? That's because exactly you never, right. You, you can never and the second serve, and her second serve isn't isn't helpful either because it's keeping not I mean. a second three, serve. Three different serves. Exactly. Can, it's, you know, I mean, the number one thing when you're returning, the very first thing you're watching is you're watching the serve toss. The toss is the giveaway of what it's going to be, unless you're going against those two and Sampras. Sampras's second serve was as good as his first serve. You couldn't tell what type of serve was coming off the toss, and you couldn't tell what type of serve was coming off of the follow-through. You can tell. If you're coming through directly at, at 12 o'clock, if the racket is pointed a little bit toward the court, it's coming flat. If, it's, if you can see the side of the racket, you're getting a slice. If you're seeing the entire racket face coming in from 10 o'clock, you're getting a kick. Not with those three. Nope. The disguise is the killer. <laughs> with Roger, you couldn't tell. And then an ace comes down and there goes all exactly. you're, you're up fifteen forty, you got two break points and you're like, I am the shit. Is and then a serve comes down and just be like That's oh, right. Is okay. there anything more demoralizing than watching Roger? And like and you can see this, like it used to make me laugh because I was like, I wanna do that one day in my three five match, right? Um where the returner has no they're jelly legged. They didn't even try. It's like I had no I, I'm <laughs> And, okay, just walk to the next side. Walk to the next side. You, you Which know, is normally, his performance in tie breaks. Exactly. Right? Normally. That was yep. usually yeah. what happened. Oh, there was a... Um, usually where you're living. There was the... <laughs> um, and what goes away when you get older. <laughs> right. You know, when, when Federer was Federer, every given Sunday, you can watch a Federer match and see Federer is just like, okay, let me see what you can do out here. The We're playing... First, first six games. Let me see what you got. Let me see what you got. <laughs> well, and then 
the player, you could you could see their return out, you could see the opponents are just like, Oh my god, I'm hanging with Raja. They're I am hanging with Federer. And then all of a sudden Nope, you're doing the today, same thing same. you were doing a while ago, and then you're like, "What triple break points? Like, what? what? Like, because you know Federer has to give himself a lots of break points." But you yeah. know what, Reels? That that's a really important point you're making there, because because statistically, and you were talking about journalism and who's actually writing the stories, but statistically, the greatest returners of all time are in the men's game, not women's, because Serena was doing it in 50%, which is ridiculous. It's impossible. Um, you know, you're going to break between 33, 34, and, you know, you're going to be a little bit above, under 35, but above 30. Those are the greatest returners. Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, they're the greatest, Agassi, they're the greatest returners statistically. But to your point about Roger just taking his time, yeah, taking his time hurts the numbers. Yes, it but, does. But when you play against him, Roger Federer is one of the greatest returners of all time. Look, Federer is there watching, and when you and you could and you know he's doing that when he talks about it. There is that full five game, and it's fifteen forty, <laughs> and you right. know he did this thing, and it's just like because, and there's another crazy stat about Federer about that even though he loses the match, he's won so many points that Federer don't let you get a love game. Federer will not let you get a love well, game. A he just got to put his... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and you don't get to... And even against the big servers, that Federer gets more aces on you on you than you and him because Federer is just like, I have gone and seen where your percentage play is going. I'm going to get a racket on it. That's all That's I want right. to do That's because right. all I got to do is put for those big return, big servers, Drop get the ball feet. in, get the ball <laughs> in play, and you have a chance. You have a chance at this. Milos. That's Roger why I love Milos. a Milos Isner Federer match. Go oh ahead. Oh, my God. Roger handles pace better so well. than anybody gives him credit for. I mean, the two guys to me and during this time period who I felt handled pace the best were Djokovic and Roger. I don't think Rafa handles pace nearly as well as the other two. You can, you know, if you get into a Rafa game, you know, which is why... Which is why Djokovic was so offended when Kyrgios aced him 25 times in Acapulco. Nobody does that to me. Nobody's doing that to me, right? When, at the Indian Wells final in 2012, Isner beat Djokovic and served him off the court. One of the few times it ever happened. And, the, you know, you're thinking, okay, well, if he can do that to Djokovic, you know, he's got a really good shot against Roger. Roger was on that serve. 143 on it. 138 yep. on it. 145 on it. I'm like, you can't win, John. That's the best thing about it. And, <laughs> and to beat and when Roger and you know one of the things I love about Federer and I think um and Serena, when you beat them, you played your best match ever. You yeah, played yeah. the best match ever. It always bothered like, me about the Serena fans, because Serena fans always get mad about that. Oh, Sam Stosa had to play the best match of her life. That's yeah, right. Right. Even Isla. Even Isla. I was going to say that. Her, even Isla beating her, her on her That's way right. to retirement is the best Isla has ever played. And then she goes, like, have you seen, have you looked at her matches post-USA? Yes. She, she has hard. been sloppy. She's, she's, she's been all over the place. That, that one match took it out of her, which is why we always, I mean, the fans used to joke about it, but I think there is something to be said for how some people fall flat after. Because 
you have to organize yourself so well to take that person down, both in terms of the game and the mentality required right. to stay engaged. And then of there course no you're after you got, then you got to keep staying at that level, which is the they don't that- they don't allow you to have a lull. They can walk <laughs> away in the match. Well, you can have a Serena walkabout. Serena can have that walkabout. You can't. You Remember can. um Aga Radvanska in 2012. I oh, thought you know, I got the second I mean, no, set. Yeah, I'm going somewhere. And then I can, four aces in a row shit. in the three-two game and see and then, you later. Exactly. <laughs> and then that's it. And then that's it. I think so, you mentioned it again. Um, okay. I think you right. said it. Um, Howard said it about when she plays Vika. She beat that racket out of her hand. She took that the racket the just. Because you know how Vika always thought she was so close to winning. Poor Vika. Those US well, Open. Vika Vika. was close to winning if she had <laughs> served, but the problem Australian Open too. There were two Australians open. There were two Australian Open. No, I always remember the US Open because they're always about Serena. Because we're all, I'm always like sitting around. Either I'm at a restaurant yeah, or I'm actually at the match. <laughs> and somebody's like, oh, oh, she's serving for the match. Not really, but you know. Not really. <laughs> you know, they, they go into this. Federer and Serena goes into to this there is almost a trance where they can do no wrong everything that they are doing looks like exactly what they intended to do it's the thing you can't pull off that shot there is no way you think they can make that shot it doesn't novak and i think novak and nadal have this way of just like i just a lucky shot sometimes but this is like federer and serena has this way about when they go into what we could call the zone they're in this like Serena takes this crouching position where she swings back and forth on the return like a snake charmer. You're done. Like, you know, like there is no safe shot for you on the court. And I think, you know, I would miss that about them. I won't see that kind. I don't see that level of brilliance yeah. on court. That's what and I was that, just going to ask. Like, you know, typically when we have athletes like this, it's it's a once in a lifetime thing. Maybe two if you're a follower of multiple sports are are we going to see anything like this again in our lifetimes? No, I get it now. I get it now. When I was right? younger, when I was, when I was younger, you know, you always had the old heads going, well, you, in you my saw football if you didn't see Jim Brown. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know boxing if you didn't see Joe Lewis. Right. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. 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 But now it is true. Here and, we are. And I, and I think it's really important, especially for the partisans. Right for the the Nole fans and the Roger fans and the Rafa fans to take a little step back and look at what we just saw. Yep. I mean, look at what we just saw. You ain't never seen sixty-three majors between three guys. Insane. And and I mean the only <laughs> operating at the same time. <laughs> at, at the same time, and that's why people are like. And it's been really dis- disheartening to me listening to people talk about Roger like he's suddenly not a player in the game because the other two guys passed him late. I was like, he's six years older than Novak and he's five years older than You have to go back and think. Roger Federer obliterated the record book from 2003 to 2000. I mean, he didn't challenge it. He destroyed it to the point where you created something new. His greatness simply created something new. I and mean, you're an extension of that. And it's, you had exactly. to change the rules to allow it to, uh, to allow know, these like, to foster. I can't believe I'm going to give you a Marvel Comics quote, but I'm gonna. It's like <laughs> the scene. It's like the scene in the Avengers when Vision looks at them and says, "Our, our, what do you say? Our dominance or our greatness, our power, creates conflict." Yep. Right. 
because we're so strong, somebody stronger is coming. Yes, wants mm-hmm. to challenge. Exactly. You're only, you're only possible. Challenge. This is the thing I want people to understand, which is when we talk about legacy again. You're only possible because of what they set in that with the roadmap they set for you. Because otherwise, what would you have walked? How, How many mages does even Nadal got- have if Roger only had four? Right. He don't have twenty two. You know. You're, right. And you're, also, you're chasing and, and, them. You're and chasing how would it be them. different <laughs> if if all of those masters that Nadal, particularly the clay coat masters that he fine tuned, if he had to play five sets in the final? Well, that's right. And what nobody talks about because Google Curtain would have surely, if you were yeah. giving Google Curtain best of three in a final of a masters. I mean, Google Curtin was playing Rafa for for French Open finals. He's he's gonna be there. Well, that's why you can't. That's why you got to keep it five sets anyway, especially with the guy. The way guys serve today, you the, you cannot. It's done have, and done. It's, it's done, done and done. done. You can, it's done and done. You know, guy comes out there, bangs thirty aces in the first two sets, and it's a good night. But the thing that people do not talk about enough is what these three guys did to each other, starting with Roger. And the most important thing, I think, I don't remember who brought it up. But, you know, I think it was you real talking about that he was a servant volley player. These guys are complete. You go, yep, they, oh, look at they had to have forehand. every shot. Oh, look at Rafa's backhand from 2005 and look at it today. That thing was a balloon. Now <laughs> it's a missile. You look at what Roger was doing, you know, sneak attack by Roger. These guys kept adding something to their games. Mm-hmm. And everybody else, I'm sorry, but... Is is Nick Kyrgios's game the same as Nick Kyrgios's game back? They, a lot of these new players are still the old player, which is why they're throwbacks. Really, they're throwbacks. I, I was really encouraged. <laughs> they're throwbacks until, to the up and downs of the ATP right. before the consistency right. of um this of what Federer introduced and what Rafa matched and what Djokovic then put them put in his cap and decided to continue to do. That's, That's right. the legacy of those 100%. three. But this, but I think, and that's why I think it's interesting in terms of Janina's question about once in a lifetime players, right? We're never living in this era again. And right. shouldn't. And shouldn't. And it's should. like when people, when, yeah. and that's why people, that's why the partisans get so mad when Osaka won three and they were talking about Serena. Do not mention Serena Williams right now. In a three, in a three, you, you know in what I mean? Years. <laughs> and then mention she's Justine. Majors. And she's, got, she's got four majors. Serena's got. 23 <laughs> but, but if you look at, but if you look at the money but if you look at the money and if you look at the like the the, the media the visibility stuff, the visibility that makes it seem like it's even equal. matter but that yeah. doesn't matter it's mm-hmm. like a false equivalency which we know totally. is very much what happens now but when you talk about the entire extent of a career and then to me that's why i always when people ask me questions about novak and and rafa and all this stuff i'm like i'm looking for who introduces something new that's, right. that's the stamp of what your next what the next thing is and i've said it many times i want to see who introduces a new way of navigating the tour with its new realities with all, with the media as a huge part of it with the packaging and it's a different <clears throat> set of expectations than when federer arrived and that's who i'm looking to define what comes next and i don't think i've seen it yet for no, sure who, i will say one thing though i am encouraged i was encouraged even though you know his leg blew up watching Zarev the way he competed in the French. Mm-hmm. Um, I was encouraged watching Sinner compete. Ooh, love Sinner. I was, encu- I was encouraged. That's Janina's man. That's Janina's man. <laughs> Janina, you, you, you 
chosen, Janina? You've chosen who you want from the new. I team? I have picked sides. Really? Okay. <laughs> sides picked. I am enc- I'm encouraged by seeing some of these guys start to add a little bit to their game because if all you're gonna do is big serve, big forehand, not gonna. Then it's not MB, gonna be MB, enough. MB, MB petulant. Well, first I of all, they, it's boring. I think they were preparing. I think they were preparing for these people to go home already. Because I kept thinking that there is no way I'm going to see Roger Federer still on the tour and think a full hand and a big serve is what's going to make me get me where I need to go to. Because I don't know. I'm not going to approach the net. I'm not going to do anything. Exactly. I'm talking to you, baby. Look, 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 let me tell you something. I want so much for him. Rublev? I enjoy his game. You do? I love Rubes. What do you like about it? I watched Ruby this morning. Ruby (laughs) is a hot mess. First of all, if the game don't take Ruby out, Ruby going to take himself (laughs) out. Ruby is beating himself with the racket. Ruby Breaking skin every time. Breaking skin. He's breaking knuckles, <laughs> breaking kneecap. I'm but just you know like I'm, I would say, you know who who initially gave me excitement and then lost his way, and I'm hoping he finds his way in the true thing that you said, Howard, in terms of narrative. I think Sitsipas was supposed to be mm, someone girl, who had more kind of dirty. Oh, Jesus. No, no, he was supposed. I thought <laughs> Jesus for exactly that. But no, he, but messy. I, he is very messy. But you know, I thought he had the potential to have a. Yes, he has a really game. good. Yeah. Like I thought he would, you know, the way he moved, the move, way he moved on the court, the way he moved yeah. and on on clay. I thought, well, this guy could do something interesting, but right? Like miss hits like him, when you he know, just hits right? That ball going into the next county. Exactly, which is very Federer-esque, right? That whoop. Okay, sorry, but I just meant like you know, like I just thought, I liked the way he was moving around the court. I liked the fact that sometimes he wasn't afraid to come forward. Like I just want, I, he wasn't a banging back by the baseline yeah. guy, and I was like, there was at least a possibility there. But I think if you're gonna develop that kind of game i think you just have to have a steadier person personality or something like you've gotta you can't just lose your you can't go off the kilter like he does i think that kind of game requires so much concentration and it's interesting because at the labor cup he talked about that when he was when he was laser like focused in that first set against tfo um or one of the earlier matches he talked about how he was so proud of himself because he stayed dialed in so that tells me that he's aware. He struggles. Yeah, like he's aware that that <laughs> is the think... challenge in the match is managing himself and getting himself through those l- lully moments to do his game. Because I think he's trying to do a little bit more on court than some of the other guys who have two shots that you know you're going to go to. I think he's trying to do a little bit too much. And I was like, okay, it's good that you understand that you have to have a sense of your own like management in the yeah. match he's to like... do it. He's like he the can't. pitcher that's got five pitches when two will do. Yes, Give yes. Give me your right. two best. Give me your two best. Your worst he doesn't. He doesn't know how to. He doesn't know how to read what's happening on the court in the game. On the other side of the net. On the well. other side. Yeah. I'll tell you that because that's what got him down in TFO. Yeah. Like I was like, honey, you're not reading the tea leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and now is not the time to do it, but I would. <clears throat> I'm requesting a future pod. Mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. like to be invited. Yes. Um. About how sadly I feel for the chokers. I'm, I'm, I'm having I'm issues in. with the chokers. I who mean, are the chokers? Tell me the chokers and then we'll put a chokers you know podcast. Sakari, we calling you. Oh, yeah, Sakari, I mean, okay. Like, and I'm trying Fair. to figure out, like, on the one hand, this is the, you know, you're talking about managing mentally. This yep. is the human part of the game. Yep, it's the right? part that we like to the see them figure like, it out. But at the same time, 
when you're watching the choker choke. It's beautiful to oh, watch. It's Sabalenka S. It's Sabalenka S. Her girl, her girl. Look, I never forget. I never forget. I watched Andrine and I. It would be something. Andrine should be banned from every U.S. Oh, Open please. women's semifinals. So so should sorry. not be allowed to go there. Shouldn't wow. be in. They, they should act that she'd be out of New York completely, just to make sure. Put it. Put her in another borough. She shouldn't be in Queens. She just shouldn't be in Queens. We are watching Sabalenka play. Um, was it um, Leila Fernandez? Leila. Oh, Leila. Oh, and I oh, said, oh, Sabalenka won the second set. The problem is Sabalenka don't even know how she won the second set, and therefore we have a problem going into the third <laughs> set. There is no with Sabalenka. There is you don't know if there's momentum or you don't know if it's just magic or luck. I'm telling you, and and she and is the person. I'm often with reels when the person we expect to win loses. I've not. I've watched so many Serena lose losses. The US 2015. Open. I am that. Oh, what was your favorite there win? There was so much pressure, man. That wasn't even a te- that wasn't even a tennis match. There was so much pressure on Serena in that. What yeah, you can, which you can literally win count. Listen to me, and I think US Open have the worst crowd. I know everybody hates the French crowd and whatever. No, the They're just messy. The They're just here for the. US the Open. actual tennis. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> US now Open. That they've got a, now that they got a roof, the acoustics are I'm like, is that the kitchen back there? So did somebody <laughs> drop a fork? <laughs> the US Open, I hate to say it, it is ratchet at the highest <laughs> level because it literally, it's like everyone else is there for other things except and the tennis. this year was the oh. worst because of, because of the Serena factor. You had people in there who've never been to a tennis. Much. I'm like, yes! hey, yo. And the fact that the ushers are all volunteers, they're like, I ain't getting paid to stop this person. <laughs> <laughs> you are walking down the aisle during a point, dog. They have no respect for it. You know it. what? They imagine that because they're so far up that you, you can't, can't hear, hear them. them. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing I, to do with the far up and can't hear. It's to do with the other spectator. Why right. are you moving in the middle no. of a which, which, I was I mean, with Jamel one day. <laughs> Jamel and I were having dinner and I was talking tennis and we were watching tennis or something. And she said to me, she was like, why does everyone have to be quiet during a tennis match? <laughs> She's like, could you imagine if everyone had to be quiet, you know, during a basketball game, like when a guy's shooting a free throw? They were all yelling and screaming and waving their hands. I said, how come, why, why are they so precious? I'm like, I don't even have words for this response right now. I, I like, I, like, I mean, yes, it's not, I just can't even imagine like full on conversations. <laughs> like, leaving. like, like, in the, I was like, what is going, there was a woman literally telling a story about a bad date in the middle of a match. <laughs> and I'm sitting here and I was like, lady, dump him. But then can I watch this can point? Because it gets better. It gets better. It's like changeover is the same thing. Yeah. Well, listen, I have to say they had to adjust that labor cup because people were precious about the matches and they were like, okay, because labor cup invented a pause, a pause to allow people to move to their seats between not on odd games anymore. So you didn't have to wait for the three and you didn't have to do the odd after that. It was like, we're going to pause between point one and point two because Stop. people are like, no, because people, because I, I will say maybe it's because they paid money 
maybe because it was like a special tournament this year because people, let me tell you something, they did not want to miss a minute of that doubles match and they refused to sit outside and watch it on the screen mm, until it got in. to three. I got to come in. I got to come in. I, gotta, I was like, what? I'm not, I can't see for now. What? What? And these people paid their money and they were upset about it. Exactly. Look, you people are worried about the Arthur Ashe Stadium um, acoustic. <laughs> I'm talking about when you're on court number 18 or 4 or 5. Literally, I remember watching Donald Young play. And they're talking about Donald Young, and he's right there. Like, who is this? Who is this kid? What's his name? Is this the song? I'm just saying. I can hear you. A man is, call- is shouting out that song at one time. Go, Wilford. Go, Wilford. Um. But also the other Sound thing that people so don't realize, down. too, is that sometimes part of the thing for the quietness is you also are watching the feeds. It's not like as chaotic as some of the other sports, right? Like you're really trying to pay attention to all these other elements. You're trying to hear the ball, like because the ball is also part of it for some of the fans, right? To be able to hear it. I know. And so it's just it's like, why must you be so quiet? I'm like, really, there's so much going on. And if you're having a full on conversation, I can't really make but, but here's the thing. But, but um, Howard, here is my response to you next time you meet Jamel. It's to tell her, look, we're not screaming at the golf course. We're not doing that. Basketball is a team sport. Yep. Tennis is not. We are Any not going to be screaming at Simone Biles while Bring she's the... on the balance team. <laughs> exactly. Not on the team. We are not screaming at Michelle Kwan as she's about to jump. <laughs> we wait yes. till after that jump and we clap. <laughs> okay? <laughs> we have a standing ovation when she is finished. Right? Yeah. When yeah, we know that all she got to do is gymnast, stop. When they run, it's quiet. Then they share after the jump. That's a good point. It's true. No, you're very <laughs> true. We've got breaks. And swimming, but, uh, and swimming and track and field, which are all individual sports, it's completely different because those athletes are competing with other people. Yeah. They're, yeah. On, the, they're on the starting blocks with you eight have, other people. They're making their own noise. And I'm telling you, those athletes do complain, especially in swimming. I don't hear the bell to know that this is the last lap. <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. That's true. They're so they have to literally down. look up and look at the clock sometimes to see. So oh, I think it was probably different this year because, you know, in the Olympics was without any people. They had little people at the last Olympics. But people, I mean, just... Well, we have... So, Howard, to your point, we definitely are going to have a choking episode. Mm-hmm. I love the idea. Oh, and also I'm to the choking have, like, episode. favorite chokes. <laughs> Can we talk about the Charles Barkley um, awards, please? About who Federer? Who? I mean, let's be honest. It, we just have this stats a while ago. Serena won 23 majors. Who did she stop? Um, a lot of people. Um, between three men are 63 majors, right? Who did Whose they stop? Who's what? Whose careers were ruined by Thomas Burdich? David Ferrer, David Denko. Yeah. Yeah. Product. I mean, and, it, and it, I think that's also the thing that you you can start to see also, and that's where you can see the difference between the generations as well, right? You think about the careers that Federer stopped, the ones that Djokovic and and Rafa stopped, and that intersection was like a carryover from what Federer was also blocking, well, and right. um and in because some he was part they, of the blocking though. Yeah, yeah, he was part of the blocking too, right? So it's like all of those careers are like on lock. Which I'm, I'm actually so, you know, to Reels' question about ATP without the big three, 
I mean, obviously I'm biased and Howard knows this. Like without Federer, for me, I'm I'm going to enjoy the tennis, clearly. Um, But I think what's interesting about it is that I'm looking for the new thing because my old thing is gone. So like Rafa and Nole doesn't, it's not a solid enough placeover for me. So I'm done with them. It's weirdly, I'm done with those two guys. What does, what does no. that mean in terms of not solid enough? Does it mean that are you not going to walk? Like, and I'm asking because there are, with, with these legends, to Janina's point, there's always the central question with mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, with Rafa, with Roger, Serena. Are you watching it or are you watching them? And Listen, I'm wondering how much I'm watching without them. I'm I watching- need somebody else. Well, let me say, I've been getting practice, right? So I will say I definitely, having this summer and gone to the U.S. Open multiple days for the first time in a long time and gone for a full day, every day, also City Open. Ooh, aunties, you helped me out. <laughs> um, oh, They really kept me going. I was like, I'm tired. I haven't done this in a while. I will say I'm probably going to become a semifinal finals girl like i think i'm probably going to be one of those weekend Andrew, you've people. been that person for a long time huh no but she was she was watching the other matches she was watching I was before like i feel like andrean has always like a... just flown in at the end no that's no, why right. she would pay her no. money for the ticket no yeah i was there from the beginning i was like i was an indian wells midnight yeah. 2 a.m watching rafa go up against now bandian you know like like even those two, I mean that that's How the match. How are you gonna find your next new love if you only show know, up at the and end? That's, and that's what's that's so funny. That's you find love at the end. And I know, but see, that's <laughs> but you know, but this is the truth. Also, listen, let's be honest. I'm getting old too. But the thing that is really interesting is that's how my love for different people on the tour grew. The other guys, really, right? That's when my tour, like my appreciation for the others grew because I was there from day in and day out. I mean, how do I, how do you, how does anyone become a fan of Verdasco? He certainly wasn't in finals. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? So, I mean, there's a part of me that I'm, I'm trying to remain open to the newbies, obviously, yep. but I just don't know if I'm going to have the legs to do what it did to build my tolerance yeah. for the other well, folks. And you, don't, which, and you don't have to, you did your time. You know, you know, I mean, like, can I, can I throw thing. one quick thing out here as well, sure. which is the idea, and Reels brought it up to start this, about I was there from the beginning. Yeah. One of the things I always say about sports, and I don't remember what year it was, but I remember what year it was, but it was some, sometime in the 90s, and I remember which, which athlete I was talking about, but it was like, this is, it might have been Patrick Ewing. I was like, this is the first athlete I saw from high school to retirement. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? And so... I, I realize as well that we protect our own time. Yep. So it's not mm-hmm. just about them. It's about where we were when At we were the watching well. them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm True. a different person now. We're all different people we're all now. different people now. Our bandwidths are different. We Janina, got time. We're in different places. I'm going to call mm-hmm. Janina out. Janina, your band, is your bandwidth for tennis the same? Oh, hell no. Girl, and, and also it's listen, different because I slept at Acapulco how many nights? I didn't even watch. <laughs> but also, um, getting to access to tennis is I'm very difficult. We are at a days. live tennis tournament. This girl's napping. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like back in the day, ESPN used to show all of the Masters from beginning to the end. And wow. you know what, reels? We don't have any of them anymore. We have Not two anymore. tournaments. Exactly. The Australian. I'm sorry. We've got three tournaments. We've got because we we re-upped with Melbourne. So we've got the Aussie, we've got Wimbledon, and we've got the U.S. Open, and that's it. We used to show Barclays. We used to show Washington. We used to show Indian Wells, Cincinnati, and Atlanta. So this and is and also the, structural. It's and, and going te- to be structural for for the fan. 
how will the fan I mean, are, are fans going on and doing what was that? What was that thing that we used to do? Live score hunters. Are people doing yeah. those things how, how to keep up with the. Yeah. But do. also, I have a friend, he said, I used to have to call a telephone number to get tennis score. And I'm surprised that, that technology, despite all of the technology that's available, we can't watch more than one match at a tournament at the same time. Okay, that's can right. I let's let's come. I want to come back and ask you all this because we've all we all experience it together. So talking about the experiencing it together. How did how do you think Serena and Federer's retirement contrasted? And what do you think it was? How do you think that reflected who they were as players? Thinking you back mean about the actual the, announcement the, and how they decided to go. Just the whole well, maybe from the announcement on. The, the retirement dance that happened. They both had like a week or so. How did that, what was your experience of it and what did it reveal to you about the player? What insights came from you just from the retirement phase of their career? Oh, wow. um, I would say, um, Junior, you want to go first? No, go ahead. I would say that I would like to think that maybe people can have certain adjectives to think, you know, one or less were doing too much or not enough, etc. Mm-hmm. But I think how they exist within the space was different mm-hmm. because I think Serena was all alone mm-hmm. along with her sister, but you know, she surpassed that and took that to a whole different place and another level. So I think maybe, you know, for me, maybe um how the US Open, I didn't think she needed to play tennis at all in these singles wasn't necessary, but I guess you know, it is who she is, singles player, you know, she needed to do that. Um, Federer, I think, is different because this is his thing, right? Labor Cup is his. Um, he owned it, he took all the criticism and whatever, and I think he sort of left it on his, his term and whatever. But he was also kind of sharing a sort of a space with two other people. He was not alone. He was out front, but that, that time has gone and the sport and the world has changed when Federer was all alone you know, out front. So I think he had two other rivals, I guess, which is Serena had no rivals. Serena was, you know, Serena is the WTA. The WTA is going to be, there is a void and a vacuum on the WTA right now. I mean, people would win, people will do things, whatever. But I think... Who are we coming to see? I think, exactly. I think you would, you know, for the men's side, there was three people i mean granted no lane filling out seats unless we're in Serbia. but i mean i, I think you know <laughs> no vaccine mandate there at all but i mean I, I mean i think they did it or looking back i think they did it well i mean i think people might judge them not winning but you know what the people who were there got to see them and they had an amazing time i think the people who enjoyed it they cried they it was, you know, a thing. And it would be, and I think it's very difficult for people like that, like supernovas like Federer and Serena. How do you properly retire? Do you come out in a wheelchair and have a little <laughs> ceremony next year? Like Pete Sampras did nothing. He was just like, Arrivederci, you know I mean? Just like, see you when I see ya. You know, but I think it was, you know, it for me, it was, it was best. Maybe Serena was a little bit overhyped, overmarketed, but you know what? Hey, it's what she has become since 2015, 14, you know, like that thing. And it 
had of like it worked out well enough and it was done by the first week and the second week as of the WTA. It defined the WTA. If Serena ain't around, he's excited for the first week and then dead in the second week. So <laughs> it, that, uh, that's what it was, you know. Um, Janina. Hmm. So when when Serena announced her retirement, I feel like I had um a lot more people reaching out to me. So it was it felt bigger. Um and when she hit her last ball and she lost, I sobbed like a fucking baby. And I felt all the things and Maya called me and she sobbed and we cried together. And then, you know, in usual Janina fashion, I was over it in five minutes and had moved on. Federer, <clears throat> full disclosure, I didn't see any of it. Um, when I, I had a lot going on in my house, like everything broke at once. And I saw a tweet <laughs> and I said, this on top of everything, this motherfucker just retires on social media. And I was pissed. And I was like, whatever, I don't have time for this right now. Um, I have water all over my basement. And I didn't see any of Labor Cup. I didn't, I don't think I've really processed it yet. I watched like five minutes max of the doubles and I had to leave. And, um, you know, I decided it wasn't safe to stream it while I was driving. So I didn't do that. And uh, I didn't see any of it. Nothing. I, I did not go back and watch the farewell videos. All I saw was photos. And, you know, I am okay with that. I'm okay. I'm perfectly fine with it. We, he's been gone for so long. Um, that it's it doesn't really feel any different. I think it might mean that it's going to be less crowded at tournaments without them there, and I am 100% okay with that. You know, we've all had our moments and seen our faves play live, and it was fun, and now it's time to move on. And if that means, you know, somebody, I want to go watch somebody at practice, and I don't have some crazy person trying to climb up my neck to get closer – that's okay. Yeah, I, I have a very different view of it um, because I had to write about it. I mean, I'm, I wrote 7,000 words on Serena's retirement. I mean, it was a thing. And I think that the important thing to remember about this when it comes to Serena is she's an avatar, right? She's a phenomenon in terms of the vessel that we are processing all of these different things through especially during the moment that we're in right now. Um, the hard-fought respect that she had to get. She, Serena's not beloved. Mm -mm. Serena has never been beloved. Serena has had to fight for that respect. And then all of a sudden, now the white women want to claim her, and now she's this mama, and the corporations come, and the whole thing, and she's, you know, and Chase wants to, you know, and she's got her documentaries and the rest of it. So she has worked very, very hard, you know, to be part of the... You know, Andrew, you and I talked about this in, in New York. Um, you know, part of the Anna Wintour, Michelle Obama, Reese Witherspoon, you know, Meghan Markle thing. This, this, she is moved into a different space. Um, and I thought that her retirement put everybody on notice. It was almost in some ways a reckoning. 
It wasn't just an announcement. It was, what are you going to do for your greatest champion that you have not acknowledged as your greatest champion? I am the greatest player any of you have ever seen. What are you going to do about it? And so during, when we were on the grounds, I was, you know, in the media room, everybody was torn. Like there were people who were pissed that the opponent, whether it was Donka Kovinish or Contivate or whatever, had to wait for a half an hour while they did this arena thing. And people were like, well, is this a, is this a tournament where we're neutral or is this a farewell to Serena? I said, well, it's both. And it was like, yeah, was it, to Real's point, was it a little bit of overkill? Yeah, but it was recompense. There was more to it than just a, re a player retiring. And during the week, especially that first match, it was insane. I mean, people were looking at this going, what is Gail King doing on the court? She won the match. <laughs> right? I mean, people were literally trying to process what was this all about? And... It made sense to me. It was like, well, you have, you know, like Stacey Alistair made the decision before that match. Obviously, we knew she was playing Monday night. Everybody knew it, was, even though before they said she was going to play Monday night. Um, that we're going out, win or lose. If she wins, we're going big. If she loses, we're going big. And it made sense to me because if she loses, it's over. So you go big. But if she wins and she pulls a hamstring in practice and has to withdraw, now she never got the farewell. So you had to do something big that first night. And people were very upset about that. And I didn't quite understand that. Um, I was like, well, what are you supposed to do? You can't risk anything. I mean, people are paying to see Serena Williams. The Contivate match was different. The Contivate match, I think, was one of the more hostile, but one of the also one of the more amazing sort of events because you could see that people were really trying to pick her up and will her. And I think it was simply because Contivate had a number two next to her. It was like, oh, she's the number two player in the world. So Serena is finally underdog. So but they ain't no Contivate. But they ain't no, exactly, right? But it was like, y'all haven't paid attention. She's got long COVID. And she's also not really having a very good year and all of the above. So all of that was something. But then the Tamanovich match, was that moment of sadness when you're watching this and you're going, wait a minute, Serena usually would have knocked her out by now. Mm -hmm. Had every chance and she's not doing it. And then when the tide turned in that 23 minute, 14 mm -hmm. minute, 24 point, uh, you know, game in the second set, even though Serena won the set, she lost the war. Mm -hmm. And you could feel the resignation to the point where Janina was talking about when she hit her last ball. You could feel it. And people were crying because they because it was settling in now that here's Serena, the greatest server in the history of the women's game and one of the greatest servers of all time, couldn't hold serve in a third set. So it was like, yeah, this is it. And you could see that people were starting to recognize that this was it. And the emotions and also the other piece of this is that Roger Federer is not American. So I felt like there was a very specific American thing going on at the American Slam that really makes the two very, very different. Um, when Roger announced, I thought Roger immediately, you had to give him props for giving Serena her space because this has been in the works for a while. And also I think that the difference was, was that Roger, we hadn't seen Roger to Janina's point. We saw Serena get whomped by Harmony Tan and we saw her get bageled by Radicano. So when she started to turn back the clock a little bit, people started thinking. They're like, maybe we're going to get some magic here. 
maybe we got something. And then it turned out that she's going to be, you know, be one years old. And that's sort of what happens. And then the ritual sort of took its place. Um, yeah, I, I thought that it was really sort of, to, to Reels' point, I think it was, I'm sorry, to Andrean's point, I think it was really representative of both careers. And I do think that one of the biggest differences in it was was that Roger Federer has been playing home games his entire career. In mm -hmm. Serena, I think there was a lot of catch-up here <laughs> where a lot of people felt like we have to do something. And you could sort of feel... I always wonder what life would have been like if Federer were American. Like, if Federer were an American, how would all of this just change? And not just lay all of it. It just all would have been different because of our the way we look at things. But, you know, because we're so American-centric. But I thought that Roger, Roger's farewell was really poignant. Um, I, I, you know, and, and watching the matches and watching him on the sideline and watching the hand-holding and the whole thing, you, you could see that this was emotional for him in a very, very personal way. It had nothing to do with wins and losses and the rest of it. It was, this chapter of my life is ending. And I just thought it was really emotional. I thought it was really sort of special. Wow. All right. I appreciate that. I mean, Howard I, Bryant holding church. I know. That was, I mean, I asked that question. That's why I paid him the big bucks. That's why we no. paid him the big bucks. I asked that question because <clears throat> that's how I started to organize it in my mind, because I was present in both. Right. And my feelings about them were really different. And I was trying to listen, I was really trying to process it because. When I got Federer's notice of his retirement, I called up one of our biggest Fed fans and we cried about Federer's retirement. Like we like she was in the parking lot. I saw the text. I dropped it in our Federer chat checks and I was like, Federer's just announced his retirement. And I called up the person who I travel to see Federer matches with, Deb, and we cried we cried together on the phone. I was like, are you okay? What are you, how are you doing? What's going on? She's like, I'm crying here in this parking lot. I'm blowing up your spot, Deb. Um, and we were just like processing it. And I, I, and I think we were just super grateful that we had tickets for Labor Cup because I had a feeling it was going to be one of his few last tournaments. And I wanted to make sure that we did it. And I was, Deb and I were like, we planned it. And so I'm super excited. So there was that context of like gratitude that we had actually we were actually going to be one of the few to see his last kind of moment on the court. So there was that going on. So I think it was overwhelming for that reason. But I think Howard, you really captured some of the conflict that I was having around Serena's goodbye, because it wasn't so much about I. It's like Reels always said. I knew Serena was on her way out of the sport, and as a fan, I had as a fan of women's tennis, as a fan of Serena, um, I I sort of had already put her in retirement slot anyway right like she's been kind of off the tour in my mind and I was like and and the loss to Harmony Tan and losing to the British um <laughs> player I was like okay this is time I think what I was having trouble with was the catch-up by the American establishment it really created conflict in me because I couldn't separate out Serena's retirement from the kind of work that was being done for this black female athlete it was really causing conflict inside of myself as I was trying to process this emotion of like Serena leaving but then I'm having to do all this work because it felt like work 
I hear pe- I heard people say things that they hadn't been saying. Did it, <laughs> it didn't feel authentic at all. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I was curious about the vibe people were feeling because because I felt the tour's loss of Federa. That was different. The tour was saying goodbye to their son. Mm-hmm. The tour was saying goodbye to an icon with Serena. It's very different. And then I started to think about, obviously, it's racialized, right? It's very obviously racialized, but as a white guy, Serena's a black woman. So I think those demarcations are really important. But then you also bring in the global piece as well, which is Federer is, a glo- is like a global superstar. Um, but and yes, he was home everywhere. But it's definitely the difference between an athlete that was welcomed in and what that goodbye means versus an athlete whose game people respected but didn't love. Like, people loved Federer. And did not question his place. And did not question his place, did not question his legacy. You know, you can batter his legacy all you want. You could do all the kinds of different things that are happening and all those kinds of stuff. But he was allowed to be a tennis player only really and he could sit with that and be all those things yes he was also an avatar for different values right but it wasn't a racialized avatar he was an avatar for beauty an avatar for excellence you know those kinds of things right but serena became a representation of all these uh, it's like catch up for people right like she's what black excellence is and but it's the black in front of everything the black is in in front of everything she's doing and and so to your point, Federer's retirement was super emotional, yeah. you know, um, but it was, but I thought it was super interesting, too, because it wasn't a competitive match in the way that Serena's was a competitive match that you she took you on a ride. She took you on another ride for that week. And it was unfortunately a ride I didn't fully go on because I never got seats. I was just on the grounds every now and then. I could see it. I can get elements of it. Um, And I was like, well, if you could last through the weekend, I got tickets for that Monday. So I'll definitely be able to see you. But I never got to see her. But it was almost like it didn't matter because I think there was so much of a performance around the U.S. Open for her by the establishment about like I'm playing catch up. And I was like, but we've always and seen. You know, Billy Jean was like, we better do this. We right. better do it right because you know, and you know, and she's thinking about the money that's My name after is on this building. and the legacy mm-hmm. and all of that. Like it felt very much that. And so I was trying to have my own personal interaction with Serena's loss, um, Serena's like legacy, but I couldn't because I felt like this thing was blocking me. But I don't know. I was like, that's just blackness, right? Like that's just blackness. People are always blocking it, so you can't really get into the thing because somebody else has got to like paint a picture of what it should be. Anyway, so that was what was happening with the Serena piece. I think I thought Serena was comfortably winning. I was in another scenario. I was in another place, and I was with somebody online. I was with Darian, and Darian was just checking the score. And and I was I looked at it, I was like, oh good, she got this. Oh good. I'm like, <laughs> she got this. Cause she was up like five two or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, she's gonna be go okay. And then midway through, Darian leans over to me and shows she's like, girl, it's not going well. Got this. And then I was like, okay, then I ran out of wherever I was and I went and I like sat down on the screen out fr- in front to see it. Can I tell you when the match point came, the screen went dark? Stop. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> the screen like went dark and no one could see what had happened and the crowd's like what 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 it went blue screen with oh, the Lord. logo of some some brand for the day and I can't 
I was like, this is wild. How and ironic then, and poignant. It was weird, right? And then she loses. And then the crowd's just kind of like still. Like, we're just still standing there. Like, what do we do now? What's the yeah. ride? What's the, it was just a weird vibe. And I only really experienced the loss the next day. I woke up and it stuck me. I was like, oh, my God, Serena's not in any draws anymore. She's not going to be in any draws? This is like a weird change. And then, but in the Federer match, it was, I've, I was at Federer's Labor Cup match when he was close to losing in Geneva before Boston, the Geneva one, the Curios. Y'all, I've never been in an environment like that before. The love the crowd was pouring into Federer to get him, because it's like he had come home. He brought this tournament home, and he was about to lose to this guy. The crowd was like, absolutely not. And the vibe is chills. Like, I had chills. I expected that same vibe at Labor Cup, but it wasn't. It was really... Um, it was, um, people were weird. Like the, the, like it wasn't jubilant, the, they, it was a weird vibe. It was like, they almost didn't want to celebrate because the celebration meant it was done. Yeah. Like it was a weird feeling, you know, and the match was competitive. I think the moment that the crowd sort of turned was when he had match points and they were expecting to have this moment of like his last match and a win. Right. That's what the crowd wanted. And that's when mm-hmm. the crowd decided to the stomping, the energy. That's when the vibe started coming. And then, of course, perfectly Federer loses <laughs> after having match point. And it's like Deb says, there is no fairy tale for a Federer fan, because that's the wonderful thing about Federer's com- career is that he's had so many painful losses. And it's like really defined his career as much as the wins. And everybody has always wanted him to right off in the sunset on this beautiful thing right and it's so funny because then Federer acknowledged it later he's like I lost my match I lost this I lost this and that that was the thing for a guy who had the PR perfect thing tagged to him so then it was that was just really weird and I was just like oh my god everybody wants this cinematic moment where he wins and then he doesn't win Mm -hmm. and it's just like it was like thank you because it really wasn't about the win and then it was over and then it was the Jim it was the Jim Courier interview and they've had so many classic interviews back and forth, you know, and then, you know, Deb and I and then like the tears. And then, of course, unfortunately, y'all, the the whole thing went longer than everybody else was So we didn't leave there until 2 a.m. The metro, the trains weren't running. They had to order trains. We, you know, it was just a only Federer could have trains. Only, there were trains that I think they ordered to leave. I think they must have like figured out a way to get trains just to get people back into the city. I'm sure something had happened. I was like, when negotiating was, with the union? Can we just I know, get two hours right now? Like, Can we get what two was hours? the plan? But when they when the girl came out and started singing, I was like, what was the original plan? How long did we think this was really gonna last? But you know, I know, but. And I think it was just watching it. And that's when I like was processing it, processing it later. And I was comparing it to the Serena vibe. And I was like, this is what it's like when you are accepted in an institution. That's right. And that's what it feels when you are leaving it and the love is there and the love is real. And you were one of them because that's what it felt like. Like it really was. It was what it was. Isn't it amazing that Roger in recognizing how difficult those disappointments were, came off so human. Very. As a guy 
who at the beginning of his career, not the beginning, but when yeah. he started cranking, was considered inhuman. because Inhuman. I, I thought that was funny, too. And it is interesting that you say that, because I was wondering if that would happen to Novak at any point. Because, you know, I think of Novak as very machine-like now. Yeah. His tennis is very machine. It's metronomic. And, um, and it doesn't have light to it. You know, like, it's so interesting because I like to think the thing, the thing, the thing to me and people say it is that when Federer was beating you, he was beating you beautifully. But when Novak is beating you, he is destroying. It's like a tank rolling. It's like, it's just, you know, and it's a different, the, the, the end results are the same, but the feeling you get watching it is definitely a different vibe, you know? (laughs) Anyway, so I was wondering, I thought to myself, hmm, for a brief moment, I thought, well, he's entered his mechanical phase. I wonder if he's going to enter a phase towards the end where he gets his humanity in a weird way like Fed had. I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. I'm going um, to go on a limb and just say um, I think that his I think it's closer to Serena because I think yes, that there's, there's, a, there's a blackness about Djokovic I always talk about. And yep. the, the in in that he's Which not welcome. my first thing I appreciated about him was that he was not actually welcome. <laughs> he's, thir- he's he's third world. Mm-hmm. They don't like you. They don't act like you're part of it. You are, you know, you're constantly fighting the first world Europeans. You're not <laughs> Swiss. You're not Spanish. You're not English. Um, and you didn't even win for Europe, Djokovic. And you didn't even take it home, even though you were great on Saturday. Um, and so there is this thing with Djokovic where, and you are representing a people who have a serious chip on their shoulder about all of this class stuff. Yeah. You know, it's really not that different in a lot of ways from Serena. The difference is, is that is that once Serena had her baby, white women claimed her. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she became I would I would argue, I would just want I would love to see those numbers. Serena's corporate endorsements in that two years of her pregnancy and child mm. against the previous five years. Is, now, can I can I be horrible? Is it because she became the very thing that people are used to seeing with, with black women, which is a mother? That's good. That's a good call right there. But there's so much. It goes to your point. There's so much work that keeps you from just pure enjoyment of it. And it could never be pure enjoyment because there are too many other things we're talking about here. Yep. You know, I mean, when I met Richard Williams for the first time, one of the things he told me was always have to remember they don't want you here. Yeah. And this is when she and Venus already had what, 20 majors combined? Mm-hmm. And he said, I mean, and when you walk, I mean, you've been to Wimbledon, Serena and Venus's name and pictures and po- they're plastered all over that place. And the reminder that winning is the only reason you're here. We don't want you. You're not part of this. And that was a, and it was really interesting because you could also tell at the U.S. Open, there was a fair constituency of people, even though it was overwhelmingly Serena positive, could not wait to get her off the stage. You mean behind the scenes? Yeah. Can we just get mm-hmm. on with the tournament now? Oh, good. We can have a tournament now. Now it's back to the tennis. I'm telling you that that second week WTA it was all about. But that was the same thing that happened with um with her versus um Caroline Wozniacki. Remember when we were there reels for that match? Yeah, but you know what's funny is that it was a final and it was supposed to be an important final, right? Was was it? That was was eighteen. But here's the legacy that one of the interesting legacy of the Williams sisters, Serena, is that 
when Serena was dominating, Federer and you know Nadal, Djokovic were dominating, and WTA got lulled into this sense that we're the same thing, <laughs> you know, no. like mm-hmm. we didn't mm-hmm. have to do anything. Mm-mm. And now I think they're gonna have to figure out a way to butter their bread because, like I said, WTA ATP knows how to get their matches in front of people. WTA has not figured out that secret sauce yet. And, and they're the WTA having, decided to go all in on Asia, and now they got to find places to play. Exactly, uh-huh. they're scrambling for like a, it's like a bad wedding show about. <laughs> well, the WTA, the WTA has the thing that MTV had, right, with Michael Jackson. Right. Right, like it's like you, ha- the Williams sisters made you TV watchable, at least in the U.S. side, right? And if you couldn't ignore that anymore. You had to build your brand based on that. You were trying to ignore it. You were trying to pretend something else was going on. But in fact, that's not what happened. You had to acknowledge that they were superstars and you had to realize that you're going to create evening matches and you're going to do Saturday night at the U.S. Open and you're going to have Saturday night watch TV and all that stuff. You became a business. You became a big business. And I don't know if you have the chops because of gender issues, right? We already know that people are just not willing to decide that women are worth the same as men, right? And so, and you don't have an icon yet that will allow that to translate in an aggressive fashion. But they want a white icon though. Because I would say that- that, um, Well, they always want a white icon for sure. But listen, they were willing to build it on Osaka, but Osaka's not consistent enough for them. Right. She didn't have it. But, but but Osaka yeah. but Osaka was um remember when Osaka before Osaka was black because mm-hmm. when they accept well, I mean, Osaka I mean listen Osaka will if they if, if even though Osaka became black if Osaka was consistently black and winning they'd have to treat her the same way they ended up having to deal with Serena which is you got to play her matches you got to put you got to put right, her on put the, the marquee right but I would say <laughs> that one of the funny things that I would say is interesting about with the Serena legacy mm-hmm. it's so funny how other players, uh, even other coaches, maybe WTA need a new birth of new coaches mm-hmm. because how because they're anti-Serena and they don't because one of the problems. Well, wait, WTA, who's anti-Serena? Because like, the I mean, players the w- aren't necessarily. No, 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 not the players. Right? The, the coaches, coaches seem to the be, coaches though. it seems to be because. Ain't a they're, girl not the, those, they're not telling them about building a serve, are they? <laughs> Thank you. That's my point exactly because. <laughs> It's almost like when they're about to get good with a serve, someone's saying to them, you don't want to be like Serena now. Because <laughs> even Max Eisenberg was, I think when he was doing it, when he was on Twitter before he got in trouble with the, just before he got in trouble with the, um, the doping scandal with, with um, Sharapova. Sharapova, he was just like, oh, you're here, just put on full good serve and then that's say That's just cheating your way through the matches. And I was like, what? People like, love a male is... dominant serve. What's that about? <laughs> exactly. Like, who is the, you know? And and I always find it funny that people weren't trying to replicate that, and, and that it's the if you look at the players who played in the very early part of Serena's career, like Lindsay and Hingis, and they understood, you know, the measure of Serena and what they were and what they brought to the table to be competitive against Serena. That they had to try to be all code players. They had to try to be better players, better movers, especially Lindsay. But, you know, as soon as those ladies were creeping out of the sport, and we can talk about chokers and, you know, we can talk about the people Serena retired. <laughs> like, we could put that in that episode. Like, the people that Serena just laid to rest 
um, while she continued doing her thing. Kim came back three, four times, you know what I mean? Just like, and Serena's still been here. But I'm always surprised at how little that WTA itself as a sport embraced Serena. Not the Serena, the star, but Serena, the tennis player. The, te- the technique. The, the te- technique. The, the, yeah, the, all because the things I'm telling you, some her. of these girls... Well, how that- are you going to do that? Let's be honest. How are you going to do that if you only think of her as a phenom? Well, that's what I'm saying. And, they and, they and treat natural. her like there's nothing we can do. Yep. She's just You're overwhelmed. <laughs> uh, she's a beast or something, you know, like you, you can't do that. She can do that, but you can't do that. But you won't be able to do that. Because I'm telling you, uh, 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 Sabalenka, Zabalenka had a second serve, just a second serve, you know, <laughs> she can keep the messy for a serve. Well, you know, we'll see how we'll see how the tour organizes its um itself. So yeah, I was gonna say one last thing about about Serena is very very similar to the big three on the men's side. There's not a piece of her game where you couldn't make an argument. She was the best at it. Best mm-hmm. serve, damn good volleys. I mean, she's not Vinci or those places, but she's got great volleys. Great defense, great return, great forehand, great backhand. Great. And so to, to Reels' point, how many players out there on the WTA side right now are even attempting to build that kind of game? And 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 also and then also that mental fortitude and, and that Jedi mind trick where all of a sudden you think you're hanging with Serena. And then you're not hanging with Serena. You're hanging off of a cliff. I mean, you know what's so funny? Yeah, I think that that's what I'm going to miss about the two of I think that's what I'm going to miss about Federa and Serena is exactly. I think Reels, you pointed it to us a while that there's a moment when they have a match where they just turn it on. And you I mean, I don't even know if the others do that. Does anyone else? How many people have that? How many people have that extra gear? (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's, that's the thing that separates. I got a, I got, I got a little bit more reserve here. I got something else for you. I'll tell you, I know you, like, I don't know. I remember, I remember there was a thing at the U.S. Open one year when they were like, there's 20 minutes before it starts raining. And Federer needed to win the third set in 20 minutes before it I'm started raining. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I, I, I need to figure out who that guy was. I can't remember who it was. 15 minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean it was just one of those things he just like dialed in and locked in and and that the thing that reminds me of that is like Serena I think it was in Miami drop over yeah down a set and a break I mean and it's just you know and it's, it's you one have of those... those memories where you're like <laughs> It's because it's one of those things that where because tennis is such a it it it's like it's fighting, but you're yeah. not actually cutting each other, right? Yeah. And yeah. you it's think you see a player come on, and you know we see you're on like a boiled con, you know what I mean? You're just like there is a moment where that well, other player is just like they're doing everything, they're doing all of the things, and then they're all of a sudden, dicing you, and you're like veteran Serena just says, okay. You've had your fun. Now let me show you how we play tennis. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you can sing? Let me show you how we sing. You know, and it's just like, but I was just in this match, though. Like, then you become a spectator at your own funeral. You are watching. That 
was and you're uh, still playing that was you're a still- world tour final roger federer versus nadal nadal was like when he's like that when he's like that he was like when he's like that it's impossible you know like you can't like get into federer was in a mood um and serena is in a mood like there's and i guess there's some moments where djokovic feels like he's in a mood yeah so there are right now have you looked at his matches yeah he's like efficient and right? and the movement the yeah, he movement he win three majors next year Listen, if these who's people gonna don't stop him, up, who's gonna stop him? And Djokovic is at the right age, right? Didn't Federer win? Didn't Federer win two slams at something like that age? Three. It's the right time, right? Three. <laughs> no, I, I know, I know. If Djokovic is that person anymore, I think he's losing. Federer is not there. That foil isn't there anymore. That's Spencer. <laughs> Nah, I think now one thing. he wants to drop that number. He wants to get. He wants to be the. I hear y'all with that, and I and I would love to believe that, but I don't trust Nole mind anymore. I mean, it's crazy before, but I don't trust it anymore. I, I said he's gonna I, win it. Yeah. Telekinesis. I say good luck to all of them because I think what people have failed to understand is the numbers do not anymore. matter. Not anymore. Yeah. Nope. It was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a Jedi mind trick, but it still matters to Nole, and he will chase that number to get ahead of Rafa, well, and then he will. It's all he's, it's all he's got because he's not all he's got. Love. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's got to get the number. So he's I mean, get the number, and the number is pure. Because he doesn't have the intangible. Yeah, he doesn't have the intensity of Rafa. He doesn't have the beauty of Federer's game the way that we're going to talk about it, and we're going to talk about the thing about Rafa. So what he needs to do is lock in that number. And that like, number is objective. And he don't bring in the crowds. I got no love. I got no poetry. <laughs> but I got the numbers. I got the numbers, <laughs> baby. <Exactly>. <laughs> Listen, and at the end of the day, I don't know, I, but I tell you, it's the Maya Angelou quote. How do you make people feel, baby? How do you make people feel? I don't <laughs> think she said it like that, though. <laughs> what point she said it. Go? How do you make people feel? <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. It's been there a it pleasure. Is. It's been lovely. I Thank hope everyone so who's listening appreciates, you know, the love that we have for Federer and Serena. Hmm. As always, I'm sure we'll be talking about them yeah, more and more and of the I'm future sure... Okay, people, get it together. Get Serena and Federer on a court and have them. I don't understand some exhibitions. This, people. That's something we've only spoken about. Both. That has only happened once. Get some exhibition so going, kids. people. <laughs> Ought to even have a conversation between about the two of them. About what it was like to roll around on the tour and change the standard. So <laughs> because, you I'm know, telling you. And, because I think, you know, to your point, and that would be an excellent thing. I mean, we've only had it at Hotman Cup, Hotman Cup once. Yeah. And everyone was just like, how has this never been a thing before? But I, I mean, they have so much Excitely. in common, right? <laughs> They're the same age, whatever. But I think it would be a great conversation between these two because there are many things that only they will understand. And Parting that on would your be... back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, how, how it is to get rid of a big server, how it is to, like, you know, have that, you know what I mean? Just have a pigeon. When you have a pigeon. <laughs> Hey. What is Anna Wintour really like off camera? No, I'm just kidding. Um, Janina. <laughs> I think I cast for that now. I think I cast for I know. Janina, we yes. don't let you close it out, Mama. What you going to say? How you going to close this out, girl that didn't even see any Federer match? Well, you know what? I'm just going to say that we are lucky. We are really, yep. really lucky to have been a part of this, to have two <sighs> athletes that are so good. 
I you can't you can't wrap that up, right? We generation lucky, it y'all. Is, we gonna we be are so lucky. People. So I hope that I hope that people who maybe um who maybe started watching tennis for a player, be that Serena or Federer, will stay for the sport. That's what I hope you get out of it. Because there will be other people. What Howard, you said something? Sorry. Oh, you're you're muted, muted Howard. Always the mute. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was I was just saying we got lucky. I mean, to be able to see what we got to see during this period. And so many times too. And so and many so times. Ma- and so many of us live. Yeah. Y'all. And say, uh, yeah. And we got thing, to. Though, I gotta what? Say, what are you going to say? Assumption. Because of you know, our, all of our fandoms and our and our jobs in a lot of ways. We got to see it. I was fascinated by the number of people who were tweeting out, I never got to see Roger live. I know. Yeah, there are people who never, reals, of course. There's some places he never went to. Yeah. Oh, that is true. And And tennis isn't the the easiest sport to get to, even if it's right there. It's expensive. That's kind of weird to think about it. If you get Roger early, in the United States, you saw him in Indian Wells, Miami, New York. And that's it. Yeah, and since he came in later on. I'm sorry, Cincinnati and Western Southern. Yeah. That's federal yeah, land. He's, he's not going to backyard classic. He's not at Memphis. What's Cincinnati going to be like, though? Because let me tell you something. If you want to talk about it, that's a federal land town. It's going to be a lot less crowded. I will sure. <laughs> I call that Federland for some weird reason. I was surprised. I, I just want I y'all like, to know that Martina Navratilova already said, you know, y'all missed something, okay? Like, I know y'all think y'all have once in generation. She said Martina's gonna say that I was doing all, all this before her. I was doing the federal. Good for her, baby. <laughs> and, and we loved you for it in hindsight. All righty then. All right. <laughs> Thank you all. See you later. Take care. Yes, folks. Yes. And don't forget, we're going to be right here again later on for Wakanda Forever, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We'll be doing an analysis of what they did to the damn thing. Um, We'll see. (laughs) Get your tickets, Howard, and you can tell us what you think about it. Of course. Of course, he's a Marvel head. He's not a big into DC. He's into Marvel. Not big into DC? What? You mean District of Columbia? What is (laughs) it?